Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. The following recording is a production of Kicking Out at Two in conjunction with the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network and is intended for private use only. For more information, head on over to Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two or our Twitter handle, at Out 2 along with searching Retromania with a W on any and all podcast platforms available to listen to archive shows such as this and all the great content of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Evergreen content at your fingertips anytime at your listening pleasure. And with that being said, we thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the show. It's November, it's Survivor Series season, and we are in a Montreal screwjob state of mind here on Marking Out the Days, the rebrand season for the month of November as we are covering the Montreal screwjob and the what-if. Now, a lot of what-ifs have been discussed over the 25 years since this incident occurred. What if, you know, it was all work and Vince and Brett and Sean and everybody were working the wrestling industry, but... We here at Marking Out Today's thought we would take a, a different twist and we're, we're reimagining if this was a work, but if this was an actual storyline that took place. So, without further ado, this is Marking Out Today's, the rebrand season, what if the Montreal Screwjob was a work? I am one half of the hosting squad, Dave Rosenbluth, and joining me as always, the Retromania architect himself, Kobe Nida. What's up, buddy? Ring the damn bell! Ring the bell! Ring Let's the go. fucking bell! Oh man, I'm excited for this one. And yeah, it's it's what if the Montreal Screwjob was a worked storyline? Yes, correct. Let's clarify. There's been people talking about before. Uh, could it have been a work the whole time? Um, so we're not gonna de- we're not gonna delve into that. We are gonna get you guys there chronologically up to that point, and then we're gonna take that what if that Marvel esque type scenario and uh dave's gonna have a booking scenario and i'm gonna have a booking scenario and full disclosure we have not discussed our booking scenarios to each other no we have not yeah so this is very very uh, exciting for me um one of the most pivotal times in the wrestling industry and uh for me as a wrestling fan Um, how about yourself dave it was a very interesting time for me as a fan exciting but also um you know, as things were taking shape on camera, um, part of my, 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 I guess you could say my wrestling OCD, um, there were things that just were kind of misfiring, so to speak. Like, um, and I, I kind of discussed it in the, the Survivor Series 97 Watch Along recording, which you can um, find in the archives over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W, where... It was kind of strange to see Brett and Sean, not in a rivalry per se, but the fact that they, at the time, within the context of the story, they were both heels. Sean was hated, and Brett was still kind of hanging on to that Canada-USA angle where he was the Canadian hero, but he was hated in the United States. And so, um, it it was interesting in the sense that, you know, that... These two were finally meeting after 18 months and not getting in the ring against one another. Uh, but at the same time, 
at 13 years old, 14 years old, I was looking for um, I was looking for some some clarity in terms of who was the good guy and who was the bad guy, and that was and and that was part. You know, I was I was kind of transitioning out of that phase as a fan. Um, a year prior, but from time to time, it would kind of creep in a little bit where I would be like, wait a minute, these two are good guys. Why are they facing each other? One's supposed to be a good guy, one's supposed to be a bad guy. But this was that era of the Shades of Grey that um, mm-hmm. that, that WWF was producing in the early stages of the Attitude Era. So um, overall, you know, to kind of go around the block, um, as I usually do with my explanations, this was a very interesting time as a fan, an exciting time as well, but also a confusing time for me. That's just me personally. Same here. I didn't know uh, what was real and what wasn't. And uh, finding out that this was real um, made me question the backstage politics of wrestling and and some of the decisions of uh, who Mm -hmm. was at the top. And it also branched out to me starting to dislike Hulk Hogan Um, and and certain characters that had been around. And, uh, you know, I I like the in-ring action, the wrestling. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, at the time it was very frustrating to be a fan, especially with, with what ended up happening with Bret Hart post this, yeah, post mm-hmm. the Montreal Screwdrop. Um, yeah. And essentially w- the way that WWF built up Shawn Michaels and then he left. <laughs> he kind of took his ball yeah. and went home. Um, it's interesting that Shawn Michaels throughout his career – has always kind of had a, a sidekick or somebody. Uh, Marty Jannetty, uh, and mm-hmm. he leaves. Uh, then Diesel. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then uh, there was a brief little bit where it was Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin before this. Do you remember that? Yeah, they were like the odd couple tag team that had the, the common enemy in the Hart Foundation, which I really liked that team. I've, I, I liked the pairing of it. Uh one of my favorite matches of all time, and there's a lot, but one of my favorite matches in the history of Monday Night Raw was Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin defeating Owen Hart and the British Bulldog for the WWF Tag Team Championship in the spring of 97. I believe it was sometime in May Yeah, on an episode of Raw. Um, one of the best tag team matches out there. Um, and actually, it's funny because I was talking to Justin in the, the Survivor Series recording about like the super teams and the teams that kind of get thrown together and, you know, the success rate being, you know, the over under on the success rate of, of those teams. And, and it was in it was in regards to the New Age Outlaws as we were watching the the the, the match that they were involved in on that Survivor Series pay-per-view. And Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels, even though it was short lived, um, you can't argue one way or the other whether it was successful or unsuccessful because of the circumstances that took place behind the scenes that led to them not continuing on as a team but you have to figure that they were kind of leaning towards the successful route as this odd couple tag team uh this odd couple super team if you will but Mm -hmm. they're one of the few instances that it clicked and it worked um even if it was a short period of time that that we were we were presented with them as a team on television. Um, yeah, it just seemed but, like to me, uh, t- just my point being was, it, it seems like the WWF ha- or Vince ne- necessarily has always been a booked Sean to kind of have somebody else there with him to kind of give him a little bit more shine. Marty, mm-hmm. Sherry, Diesel, um, Hunter eventually, and then hit that brief little stint with Austin. It just always felt to me... In, in my, 
at this time, at my point of view, after the Montreal Screwdrop, I was like, well, Shawn Michaels is a little shithead. He just tries to get fame from anybody, you know, Hunter, like he's just a hanger on like a piece of shit. I don't, you know, at the time I was just so angry <laughs> at him. <laughs> I really was. Um, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, seriously. Yeah. And the, I believe the, you. The oh, fans, I believe you. You're the a fans guy, re- so yeah. The fans' reaction to this was, uh, I mean, Shawn Michaels was a heel after this, you know? Mm-hmm. The trajectory of it is just uh, amazing. But uh, you ready to yeah. get into it from the beginning? Yeah, let's le- talk about yeah. it here. Um, let, let's talk about what, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what led up to this in real time, and then we're going to go with our scenario. So I think this really starts at Survivor Series 1996. Um, I mean, you could even go back further to the Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12 with the with the overtime finish, sudden death, Michaels wins, super kicks, Brett, Brett disappears and leaves. Um, his Which again, in question. to me as a fan at the time, it's uh, being a, a diehard Brett fan, I was like, well, the time was up, he won. Why the fuck does Sean get another attempt at it? He lost his chance. I mean, that, that that's coming... I mean, like like you said, as a Brett fan, that's yeah. coming from a skewed point of view. You know what I mean? But Brett didn't necessarily win the match either. Right. You know, because Brett didn't score a pinfall. So, right. So there was this tension um, of who was going to be the top guy. Yeah. So the, the, that was... I, I liked the finish because it really showed... It really made Brett and Sean even. At, mm-hmm. at that level, mm-hmm. you know, like like one wasn't better than the other in that 60 minutes. They were both even all the way till the last second of the match, um, right down to the right down to the end of the the, the, the time. And I, I enjoyed the overtime period. I, I thought it was a nice little wrinkle. People, you know, like you Nowadays, said, you're a Brett retrospect- fan. Yeah, retrospectively, I like it now. But- yeah. But so, I mean, I guess you could go back to that point and you could see that the, the, they were with the vignette where Brett's in the locker room, he she throws the cameraman out. You see him drive off into the sunset in his rental car. That kind of sets the tone for, um, you know, in retrospect, looking back on it, Brett's return, and he's going to come back with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, uh, I went which, to which do t- some uh, acting, and I was uh, I was <laughs> slated to win an Emmy. They were gonna yeah. do, they were gonna give me an Emmy for uh, the most uh, poker face actor. The most, uh, I think it was like the most boring actor. <laughs> <laughs> Poker face is a nice word for saying boring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, this would can this really kicks off Survivor Series '96. Brett returns to chat to face Stone Cold Steve Austin. <sighs> Banger um, of a match. Classic match. At the last minute, it was thrown in there that the winner of that match would face the WWF champion at the next pay per view. Later that night at Survivor Series 96, Shawn Michaels loses the WWF title to Sid to Psycho Sid in controversial fashion as Sid attacks Shawn Michaels' manager, Jose Lothario, with the camera, which sets up the main event for In Your House, It's Time, Brett and Sid. Now, this is what struck me about this, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it, okay? This is where we were starting to see the edgier version of Brett. Even though Brett was focused on becoming the champion and he was focused on regaining the title that he felt he never lost against Sid, he had Shawn Michaels in the rearview mirror. And he would make mention of it in his promos on television. But more in particular, there was an episode of Sunday Morning Superstars, the morning of the pay-per-view, where they where they had live footage uh, from the arena, interviewing the guys as they were coming into the building. It was kind of like a... kind of brought that like NFL pregame... 
um, kind of vibe to the, the, the presentation. And um, Brett is... Brett is, is is entering the arena, and he gets stopped by Doc Hendricks, who is conducting the interview. Whoa, hey, Brett. Yeah, handsome Doc Hendricks here. Um, and Brett talks a lot about Sean, because Sean's going to be active in the match as he's going to be, I guess, commentator at ringside. Hmm. And he's still kind of got that chip on his shoulder about losing to Sean at WrestleMania. And you could see a little bit of an edgier side, a more bitter side of Bret Hart in this promo. And then... Um, not long after that, Sid shows up. The two of them have a physical confrontation. And then Sean, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes into the picture. Referees, officials, I even think you see Vince get involved trying to break the whole thing up. Um, I thought that was a... Vi- Looking back on it, I think that was the genesis of Bret Hart's eventual heel turn down the line. It, even though Bret has said in the past that he was really sour on turning heel in the beginning, I think the company was trying to, that that was their vision. And they were waiting for Brett to see it. And that was the beginning of it, where Brett just showed that edgier side. I don't know if you remember that at all. Do you, yes, do you, do you care I do. to uh, share? Okay. Um, the, and that was just like, uh, like you said, that, that kind of um, sports-centric feeling of like the pre-show action. And then all of a sudden we see something happen. And that didn't happen mm-hmm. all the time. So it wasn't like, it wasn't something that we're, that we're numb to now. So seeing that yeah. backstage altercation, you're like, oh shit, there's a little heat between these guys. There's something yeah. there. There's gonna, they might go back to that match of Brett and Sean, yeah. which everybody wanted to see again. Yes, and that was in, in that same event. Sean had cost Brett the title um, inadvertently. Sean was going for Sid because Sid had taunted him at ringside, actually getting phys- getting him physically involved in the match. Um, and then you saw Brett and Sean kind of have a little bit of a pull apart uh, post match. Uh, Brett showing his frustrations, and right then and there, you knew that the direction they were going in was Brett and Sean in a rematch. Whether it was for the title or not was still up in the air because Sid was the champion. Which leads us to Royal Rumble 1997. <sighs> Brett Hart loses the Royal Rumble match in controversial fashion as he tosses out Stone Cold Steve Austin, who had a tremendous performance throughout the course of that match, while the referees are distracted with Mankind and Terry Funk brawling on the outside of the, the, the other side of the ring. Austin sneaks back in, tosses Brett out, tosses Undertaker and Vader, your winner of the Royal Rumble match, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, and again, fake Diesel. And fake Diesel. Don't forget that. I'll never let that down. Well, Brett threw out fake Diesel. Yeah, but they were the real final four, not Austin. Austin was uh, eliminated. Yes, you you are correct, but they're not yeah, going to promote fake Diesel into the title picture. <laughs> That's for sure. If it was real Diesel, it would be a different story. Um, but anyhow, you see once again, Brett feeling slighted. Brett felt screwed. He let that be known with Vince McMahon, who was sitting at the commentator's table, that he got screwed out of his opportunity to become the champion. And once again, second month in a row, his chance to go to WrestleMania to to face the champion or to be involved in the championship picture has been spoiled by someone else, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Following that, Shawn Michaels defeats Psycho Sid for the WWF championship and gets back the revenge from Survivor Series in 1996. Now, before we continue any further, share with me your thoughts on all of that that transpired at Royal Rumble 97. 
as a wrestling fan at the time, a Bret Hart fan, um, <clears throat> I felt that he was slighted too. I felt that mm-hmm. he had been wronged. Uh, Stone Cold just kind of didn't click with me yet. And I was like, who is this guy that just won't let up? He is relentless. Uh, yes. And he's almost like obnoxious at the time uh, until he kind of transitions into like the, where, you know, eventually what he becomes. But uh, yeah, I, I was just, uh, I I was kind of happy to see Sean be the champion again because that meant we could get Brett and Sean. So uh, I definitely thought Brett was going to win. That seemed like the tra- trajectory. Um, and yes, after all the actions and then seeing Brett's reaction, you're like, what is going on here? Thinking in, as a fan, like, what are they doing here? Are, are they mm-hmm. are they really trying to turn him or is is are we turning him? You know? Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, that that was pretty much it. But the, exci- the following that. I'm sorry. Excited to see where it goes. And then the following night, like you say, is amazing. The following night on Raw, Brett would quit over being screwed. And it eventually would set up the main event for the final, the co-main event for the final four pay-per-view in in February, where Brett would face Steve Austin, Undertaker, and Vader in a final four match, which was like a mini Royal Rumble of sorts, where the only way you could, well, the, the multiple ways you could win are pinfall, submission, or throwing your opponent over the top rope, um, kind of like reliving the last four of the of the the Royal Rumble match. Hence the final four. Also on, scheduled on that card was Shawn Michaels Psycho Sid rematch for the WWF Championship. So uh, back then, twenty five years ago, as a, as a young Dave Rosenbluth, it had appeared, at least in my mind, that this was setting up Shawn Brett for the title with Shawn as the champion. And it, it, at least in my per, from my perspective at that time, 25 years ago, I was looking at it as this was going to be Brett's redemption. Yes. Uh, facing Sean, the roles were reversed now. Brett's challenging for the title. He's gonna, <laughs> we're, fi- we're finally going to see the rematch between these two for the WWF Championship. And then Shawn Michaels would end up losing his smile I, on an uh, episode of I Thursday, lost. Raw Thursday. So let's talk about that. Let's 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 get into that here. Losing his smile. Um, what what were your thoughts then, and what are your thoughts now on Shawn Michaels losing his smile? Um, <clears throat> do they change? Is it like, like it, it's pretty much kind of same? Stay, like, stayed the same. Um, essentially, watching it, you you could tell. He was frustrated or going through something emotionally and a lot of a lot of stuff on his mind. But at the same time, I was like, you're kind of it look looks like you're pussing out. Looks like you don't want to mm-hmm. do a job. Um, and, you know, retrospectively hearing that he had some uh, drug issues and then an injury and uh, a lot of stuff going on. Um he, I, I still say that he was being ignorant at the time to the booking, and there was a lot of ego between Brett and him, and he was mm-hmm. not willing to do the favor for Brett. So he had to finagle away to uh, to to drop that belt, because uh, as we know, Shawn Michaels isn't isn't a guy who just drops the belt to anybody in his in the history yep. of his career. Mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of uh, now, uh, of a lot of I, uh, uh, vacancies. Yes, I got a question yeah. for you. You know, you you had said Sean's ego had kind of gotten in the way, and he didn't want to drop the belt to Brett. Um, do you think that some of that worked shoot that they worked themselves into a shoot because uh-huh. there were a lot of comments on television between the two of them? Very personal comments. Brett talking about Shawn Michaels and questioning his his um, his his uh, sexuality at times. Uh, Shawn making remarks about Brett's family. Mm-hmm. Um, although in, in retrospect, we've we've heard from both guys in in interviews. I believe the rivalries uh, DVD that came out with Brett and Shawn a number of years ago, where they both kind of they they took some of the shots too personal with each other i think and that, therefore that's what it was there was no communication okay so all right, i and just there to was clarify a, and there was what... also a magnifying glass on it from the observer um and wrestling fans in general um that was the the match that people wanted to see so when you see brett you're like when when's the next time you're gonna wrestle or kick sean's ass or when you see sean you're like when when, when are you gonna shut that brett hard you know it was like it was getting to these guys um, mm-hmm. in more ways than one. Worked. They had into taken a it shoot. personal. Yes. Worked yeah. into a shoot. Okay. So, so what are your thoughts? So, That's your thoughts on I, it? I, I, I tend to agree to some respect. I think Shawn Michaels losing his smile was a cop out. Um, yeah. The whole injury thing. Um, and then coming you know, back the they, next week and doing a backflip and landing on that same knee. like. Well, I mean, it was a couple of months later, but it was I would say it was about a month later where he appeared at WrestleMania in the, as, as the guest commentator for the main event, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but, yeah, I do think that Sean had kind of taken some of the things that Brett said a little too personal. I don't think there was proper communication between the two behind the scenes because I think the objective of their rivalry was that it was going to kind of be – it was kind of going to kind of make you question – whether it was a, a work, you know, whether it was a shoot or not, based off of what took place at WrestleMania 12. And if I remember correctly, I think even Brett has said in multiple interviews that um, he wanted Owen to kind of report back to him to see if, like, the like if they were working the boys because mm. they wanted to work the locker room as well to get them to, into thinking, oh, these two guys, they, were, they really don't like each other. Mm-hmm. So... I think there just was improper communication on both ends, and they kind of took it personal. And Sean, Sean, you know, in a sense, threw the first punch and said, "Well, you know what? I'm going to take my ball and go home. Guess what? I lost my smile, and now you know this puts a wrinkle in the WrestleMania plans." Do I think that there's a shred of truth to him being hurt? Absolutely. I think that there is some because Sean had Sean had gone, you know. He had a full schedule, you know, a year prior as the WWF champion in his first run. So could could injuries have piled up and maybe he had some wear and tear on his knees? No doubt. I don't think I don't discredit that. But to the to the extent that Sean had had, you know, uh, disclosed with the audience that his injury was career threatening and a doctor told him he may never wrestle again. I don't know about that. Yeah, I I, I, I I highly doubt that. But do I think there were some injuries that were piling on? Maybe he needed a break. Yeah, maybe he was mm-hmm. running full tilt. He was the guy that was that was that was headlining all the shows, and he was as the champion while Brett was gone. Uh, you know, he was he was kind of steering the ship for for a little while. So I do think there is a shred of truth that maybe some of the injuries kind of caught up with him, and he needed a break, and he was burnt out, and then com- compound that with the the improper communication 
uh, with between him and Brett with these work shoot comments that now are that now guys are taking it personal. I think that's where he just kind of cracked and was like, you know what? Yeah, I did lose my smile, and I uh, that that's where I stand. That that's where I stand now. Back then, yeah, it was a big puss out in my opinion because. I really wanted to see the rematch between yeah. Brett and Sean. And as much of a Sean guy as I was back then, I wanted Brett to get that match, you know, to to, to win that match and to even things up. Mm-hmm. And then they do the big rubber match because I was looking at that rivalry uh, along the same lines of, in terms of match quality, like, um, you know, uh, Sting and Ric Flair. Well, that's like, what Brett the, had the, said, too. He, he, he wanted to work it into where they could make money for years going back to yep. that match and it made sense and i don't think it, it made sense for sean because you look at it too sean didn't become a single star until after brett did they were kind of on that same trajectory but brett was getting put over brett got chose to be the champion um brett's been in the business a little bit longer um there mm. was probably some resentment from sean um uh, when he finally got that top spot, Sean didn't want to give it up to Brett again, um, and yes. not not understanding that they could trade it back and forth. Um, yeah, let's move on to uh, Final Four, where Brett would win the title back, um, and he would eliminate Undertaker to do that. And then it was announced that night at the pay per view that he would be uh, defending the title against Sid uh, at uh, the next night on Raw. Which I uh, thought Sid was odd, come out too. To, but I guess yes, he gets his rematch. Well, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was odd only because Sid was scheduled to get his championship rematch on that pay-per-view against Sean. So they were just kind of tying up some loose ends, making things right. And at least from my perspective, going into that Monday Night Raw, um, in fact, it was actually announced on that Raw that Brett would face Undertaker at WrestleMania for the title, which was I was excited for. Uh, because Brett and Undertaker had some classics. They had one at the Royal Rumble in 96 despite the controversy with Diesel's interference. Um, so I was looking forward to that match. And when Sid beat Brett with the help of Austin and Austin's interference, I was, as a fan, I was really disappointed because um, I thought that WrestleMania wasn't going to be as good uh, with Sid and Undertaker as the top draw. And although Brett and Austin had some classic matches, um, I wasn't really, I, I, I wanted to see Brett and Undertaker. Yeah, I, I just thought that it would have been a better, it would have been a better matchup. And given the story from the previous night where Brett eliminated Undertaker last, I thought it would, I thought it was fitting that that was the direction they were going to go in. Whether they did Sid and Austin, um, you know, separately, who knows? But um, looking back on it, hindsight being twenty twenty, I'm glad they went the direction they did with Brett and Austin because otherwise, I don't think Austin. It would have taken him longer to, to, to get to that level yeah, had he not worked with Brett sure. at WrestleMania. And I couldn't um, see him leads, and Sid being matched up either. I mean, yeah, I don't... I mean, at the time, too, they were also trying to pick up the pieces because Sean was out of the picture. Right. So um, it, was a, it was definitely a... Um, it was a different WrestleMania. It didn't feel like a WrestleMania to me, I'll be honest with you, Mm-mm. 25 years ago. Uh, but, you know, the the... The Brett Austin match was a classic and goes down and it's on my Mount Rushmore of greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Um, what it did for both guys, the historic significance. And let's talk about that briefly here. Brett and Austin double turn 
and Shawn Michaels making an appearance in the main event um, as a guest commentator. Talk to me a little bit about both of those uh, situations that transpired. Uh, I didn't like it at the time. Uh, I'm like, Sean, just go away. If, you, if you're going to be gone, go. You know, don't don't come back mm-hmm. uh, just to sit ringside because I got to be at the main event. I'm going to be here. But yeah, a classic match. And you're right. It just didn't feel like a, a WrestleMania at the time. But now going back, you know, I, I love that match. Um, and this is the moment where Undertaker was kind of made a guy, you know? I mean, in a sense, you could say, like, Undertaker was always a guy. Like, he was, yeah, he didn't but, need the title. But I think because because Undertaker is, is loyal, you know, was loyal to a fault at times, they they felt it, there was, that was the best direction to go in with him as the champion. It's time to get a um, ring on your finger type deal. Yeah. Yes. But at the same time, reg- depending on the condition of Shawn Michaels, and as Brett would have, as Brett said, that night, because he made an appearance before the match, Shawn Michaels and his pussyfoot injury, it looked like they still were really on board with doing Brett and Shawn at some point at a later date. Yes. Uh, if it wasn't a WrestleMania, maybe a SummerSlam, um, because Brett had made the appearance pre-match, kind of talked about how Undertaker slammed the door uh, on their friendship, um, talked about being screwed out of the title. This was the... the the early signs of this was the beginning stages of his heel turn. He had kind of, I guess you could say turned heel post match with Austin, but it looked like they were kind of going in the direction of, all right, we're still going to do Brett and Sean because there's still some, there's, there's a lot of unsettled business that needed to be addressed, uh, which led to the next night on raw where Brett pretty much turned his back on the United States and blamed the United States for uh, the reason for his actions and for getting screwed and not supporting him. And uh, he would eventually attack Shawn Michaels. And uh, we would see the, the birth of the figure four around the ring post. But this would also lead to the launch of the Hart Foundation angle, where he would uh, join forces with his brother Owen, who he was in a, who was a longtime rival of his, as well as his brother-in-law, Davy Boy Smith. Um, and the common enemy being... Um, the United States of America and the wrestling fans, as well as the filth uh, that that the World Wrestling Federation was presenting with the likes of Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin. Uh, share with me your thoughts on the Hart Foundation angle and um, and uh, how how you felt about all that stuff moving forward at that time. Um, <clears throat> I loved it. I loved um, Brett blaming America, and uh, I turned my back on America too. I was like, yeah, Canada seems all right. Coming from this guy, Brett, not bad. But uh, no, uh, all jokes aside, uh, I loved him coming down to the ring and talking to Owen and Bulldog. Like, look at them. They've got you fighting each other. That's what they want. And then, you know, we got to come together and they hug. And later in the night, kind of, you know, solidify that the Heart Foundation is back. I was I was so stoked. I was like, fuck, yeah, this is awesome. Now we got a now we got a faction in WWF. A, a cool faction. Yes. Not, not you know, not the Bariquas. Not, not to, you know. <laughs> well, the Bariquas weren't a thing then. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. They they were the, they were the lead act, the Hart Foundation. And um, it, I, at first, it was difficult for me to really get that Steve Austin was a good guy, or at least that the fans were liking Same him. Same here. And that Brett was a bad guy. Same here. But 
it because I was a Shawn Michaels fan, it kind of brought some clarity to me as a fan for that rivalry because Shawn was the good guy and Brett was the bad guy. Oh. And so I well at least yeah. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. Uh, but I'll do this damn thing without you. I don't give a shit <laughs> about you and your fucking opinion. Oh, I love Brett. Yeah. No, no in all serious. In all seriousness, I, I, I enjoyed the angle and it kind of brought some clarity because it seemed like Brett and his character and his standing with the audience was in limbo mm. because of that chip on his shoulder since he returned. And yeah. we kind of got a definitive answer as to where he stood with the audience. Uh, so being paired with Owen and Bulldog against the likes of Sean and Steve Austin, gr- really great stuff. I, I enjoyed. To me, I felt like that was... To me, I felt like that was back then. That was the that was what made me want to watch WWF more, and that was where I really started changing the channels back and forth between that and Nitro because you know Nitro still had the hot hand with the NWO and and their their their, their rivalry with Sting and the mystery behind Sting and things like that. So um, Heart Foundation, the 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 USA Canada angle that was launched, that was the beginning of my my channel surfing. Between Raw and Nitro on Monday nights, yeah, um, it, it was it was a pivotal time. You could say to to an extent, Raw was kind of stale, um, in, in, in it compared to WCW with that NWO angle and the Sting thing. I I, mm. I I was just like you. I had one tape going in the other room, and then flipping back and forth on the channels, watching the live one on the other TV. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Taking it over. It was a great time um, to be a fan. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think we'll ever see a well, I don't think we'll ever see a, a moment like that ever again. Um, let's move on. Uh, because as this angle is continuing, um, Sean like we talked about earlier, Sean and Austin are more active as a team. Uh, they won the tag team titles, they got that common enemy in the Heart Foundation, and then behind the curtain. We get the infamous locker room fight in my hometown of Hartford, Connecticut, prior to Monday Night Raw, June the 9th or June the 10th, I believe, uh, 1997. Rumor uh, has it the fight was instigated by a young kid named Dave Rosenbluth. It could have been. It very well could have been. Um, It's funny, too, because I was... So, I don't know if you recall this, but the... During WWF programming in the local markets, Doc Hendricks had that like event center, mm-hmm. and he would promote the upcoming events that were taking place in the area. And he promoted an, an episode of Monday Night Raw. And at the time, I didn't realize this, but he was promoting a main event of Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, uh, uh, Ken Shamrock, and Psycho Sid against the Hart Foundation. Oh, wow. That, that was to take place on that episode of Monday Night Raw. Now, at the time, I didn't realize it was just a dark match for the live crowd. Wow. Uh, Still. And I remember begging my parents. I wanted to see the match. I wanted to go, and they couldn't afford it. That was the usual, you know, the the, the explanation I would get from them. Um, and at the time, um, I remember watching that episode of Raw and being disappointed that we didn't get that main event. Right. And it turns out it was only for the live crowd. Uh, but then I would I would read a few days later on the dirt sheets uh, that Sean and Brett had gotten into a pull apart backstage, um, which pretty much stemmed from their comments 
between each other back and forth in the promos, in particular the Sunny Days comment that Shawn Michaels made towards Brett, um, implicating Brett committing adultery um, with Sonny behind the scenes, uh, which is kind of ironic because it was it would be later revealed that Shawn Michaels and Sonny were involved in a romantic relationship a year prior, right. um, where Sonny was Sonny and Shawn had been living together and were dating each other. Um, pretty much Chris Candido was cuck Candido. Oh yeah. He was, he was the modern day cuck back then because he knew of it, allowed it and still had hopes that him and Tammy were just going to work things out. And while she was, she was getting, uh, some sweet chin music of another kind, (laughs) um, uh, from Sean, but talk to me about what, do you, do you remember hearing about the locker room fight? Was it something you found out years later by reading Brett and Sean's book? Yeah, I, I found that out. I Talk found to that me out. about. I found that out in post. Um, and okay. I, I, I'm surprised. I mean, I didn't get the Wrestling Observer. I would get the um, Pro Wrestling Almanac, and I guess that's that's like the the after mag type stuff to where it was kind of played uh-huh. played in kayfabe. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't really behind the scenes. Um, so I didn't have that much insight. So what I saw was what I got, and I I had to you know use my dumb ten year old brain to try to figure out what was going on, and uh, I was just um, I was not I know was not privy to it at the time, but now yeah. hearing about it years later, uh, you knew it was going to happen, um, and you hear in both their books the re- the retelling of the story is pretty much the same. Um, it says, fuck you. You got something to fucking say to me. And then they just grab each other's hair and start wailing on each other. Like kind of like a hockey fight. But, uh, Brett got a good chunk of, uh, the heartbreak kid, John Michael's hair. Yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, I think is in the possession in a Ziploc bag of one of Jim Cornette's ex-wives. Wow. If I'm not mistaken, I think, I think Cornette had the story I recall was that Cornette was in Vince's office um, talking about what they were going to do, how they were going to handle the situation. Sean comes in with a chunk of his hair in his hand, says, I'm leaving. This is an unsafe work environment. Slams the hair down on the desk and walks out and says he's going to WCW to, to work with his buddies in reference to Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And that's when Cornette picked it up, put it in his pocket, put it in a Ziploc bag. And at that time, he was with his, with, with his wife at that time. Um, to the best of my knowledge, I think that is still in the possession of his his uh his ex-wife wow so uh that's that's interesting that Cornette, for as much as Cornette says he hates sean michaels right that Cornette saved a piece of his hair he's a fan like he was gonna make some oh yeah no i mean Cornette. yeah he's 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 the ultimate mark in a way um but um that changed a lot of things because i remember at that time the rumor was was that sean was gonna you know sean and brett were supposed to take place at king of the ring the night before brett was still hurt Brett had not been cleared yet. This is legitimate. And it wasn't that originally they had they had booked the match and then they couldn't get the match in the in, on the pay-per-view because Brett was still hurt. So the next best thing was was that the rumor at least that from what I read, and I don't know how true this is, but the rumor at that time that I read um and I didn't get Meltzer or any of those dirt mags uh, dirt, dirt sheets. I ended up reading like new, like message boards, news boards that like would get clips and excerpts from the from Meltzer and and Wade Keller and things like that. So like four one one wrestling was my was my go to back then. Um, and uh, I remember reading that 
The rumor was the, the Hart Foundation was set to take on Austin, Shamrock, Michaels, um, and the Road Warriors. Uh, maybe even Sid. I think Sid might have been a name that was thrown out there. Uh, even the Patriot, too. There were a lot of different names that were thrown out there that was rumored for the 10-man tag in Calgary. And the locker room fight changed that because Sean went home. He, didn't, he took his ball and went home, and, uh, and, and that was the end of that. Um, so that changed that, and I would, I would imagine that that, I, and I, I could be wrong because I don't remember, I don't remember reading this, but I would imagine that Sean would have had a significant role at SummerSlam um, that didn't involve him being the guest referee. Maybe a match with Brett? I don't know. Or maybe, maybe he, maybe he would be involved in the championship picture with Brett and Undertaker making it a triple threat. I don't know. But that changed a lot of things, at least in my opinion, the way that the, the story had played itself out because Sean would end up coming back uh, in July, uh, late, later, I think it was like mid to late July, and he was announced that he was the guest referee for the Bret Hart Undertaker Championship match at SummerSlam. Talk to me about your thoughts going into that match. What were your thoughts on Sean being the referee, the unique stipulations? If Sean showed favoritism towards Undertaker, he would lose. He wouldn't be able to wrestle in the United States. If Bret didn't win the title, he wouldn't be able to wrestle in the United States ever again. Talk to me your thoughts then and now regarding SummerSlam 97 and all that transpired. There was a lot of the stipulations had um, had big implications. I was like, well, what's going to happen? Because uh, you know Sean and Brett are not going to get along. And then when it came to that match um, with the spit in the face and Brett just oh that is like the perfect loogie um that yeah that was a good one yeah just real good loogie that was a shoot that was a shoot loogie too that wasn't a working loogie he was he was shooting with that one. oh yeah and uh and sean just knocked the the headshot to the chair to undertaker and then brett picking up the victory as they have to look at each other eye to eye and sean counts that three like out of frustration because he knows you know, the stipulation of the match. Um, man, I thought that brought so much tension and it just made you want to see them go at it even more. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I, 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 I enjoy, I've you know, I talked about this in, when I recorded Survivor Series 97, which you can find in the archives um, currently right now, Ret- Retro Mini with a W, cheap plug, uh, where... I loved the stipulation. I loved everything about it going into it. But what I didn't really care for was how it was handled aftermath um, following that. You know, because there was the question of why. Why did Sean turn on the... Why did Sean cost The Undertaker the title? Well, it's clear as day he didn't intend to cost The Undertaker the title. Right. He was going for Brett. And he nailed Undertaker, but then realizing, oh, shit... I have to make... You can even say Shawn Michaels say, oh shit, as he throws the chair down after he had nailed Undertaker. And like you said, he's he's making the count. He's looking in Brett's eyes. He realizes that if he doesn't do his job, that his ass is on the line too as the guest referee, showing favoritism. You know, so he can't do that. So when the next night on Raw and the weeks to follow, they kind of pinned it as if Sean had the intention of screwing The Undertaker, which if you you watch it plain as day, he doesn't. But there's a point that my brother brought up in our recording, and I'll kind of 
preface it here by saying that Jerry Lawler, at the beginning of that match, talked a lot about, before the match even started on commentary, they had the camera at the announce desk, and he talked about Shawn Michaels' ego being so big that it's got its own zip code. And, you know, Shawn, when he goes to a funeral, he gets upset because he's not the corpse. And somehow, some way, he will find a way to make himself the center of attention in the match. Those sound like the, and, the, it's like straight up Jerry Lawler <laughs> jokes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's exactly he's what so it was mad verbatim. He's not the corpse. Yeah, that was you go back and watch that, that that right at the beginning of that SummerSlam match. Lawler says that. And looking back on it 25 years ago, I didn't realize what he meant by it. I was just kind of like, oh, well, it's, you know, Lawler being a heel commentator, Sean's the baby face, et cetera, et cetera. But then uh, looking back on it now, it's like, well, he just kind of set up the heel turn in a way that Sean was going to do something that was going to attract attention from, from the audience. So... In retrospect, I don't really care anymore that 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 there was a lame duck excuse that they tried to pin it on Sean. Because even at one point, if you go back and you remember the buildup towards that SummerSlam, Sean was the one that went to Vince and said, I want to be a part of SummerSlam in some way, shape, or form. I need a spot in the show. And then Vince was the one that put him in the match as the referee. And then JR on commentary following SummerSlam you know, says to Sean, well, you put yourself in this match. You wanted to be involved so much. This is what happened. Like, this is your fault. Take responsibility for what you did. And Sean, you know, was like, oh, well, uh, you know, you guys put this on my lap. You put me in a position to fail, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of like, it was, it was confusing at the time 25 years ago. But now that I look back on it, to some degree, it makes some sense. I didn't care for it back then, but the way it was handled, but and I, what I also didn't like either, and I want your thoughts on it, was that Brett was the top heel. He won the title. Sean was a pretty good babyface, at least at that time. But Sean took the lead to heel role when he turned and swung that chair on Undertaker, and that scooped Brett's heat, as as Brett would say. Yep. And to me, that was where my brain was like, no, they're both heels, and they hate each other. Right. Like what? Like. You know what I mean? Like that was where my o- my wrestling OCD was like, no, one of them needs to be the good guy and one of them needs to be the bad guy. No, I understand. And I didn't, I could that's what sells a match I, better. I couldn't too. comprehend that. Yeah. Yeah, and I couldn't comprehend that that they were both heels. So the Hearts, even though the Canada angle was still a hot angle, okay? They kind of were forced to take a secondary role to Sean and eventually the formation of DX with Triple H, Rick Rude and China. Because Brett was the champ and he was working with the Patriot and Vader. Owen had the stuff going on with Austin and Bulldog and Anvil were just kind of hanging around. And I felt like I felt like it was too soon to kind of put them in a secondary role. Yeah. As a fan. What do you, what what are your thoughts on that? No, I I I agree. Um it was like convoluted with having two guys that are eventually supposed to have this matchup, this super matchup. Now they're both al- aligned the same. They're both heel. Um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't sell. You want to have a baby face. You want to have a heel much as the shades of gray. We can talk of, uh, but uh, you, you eventually want to have one working a style of a heel, one working the style mm-hmm. of a face. That's the, that's the psychology yep. that you need in the ring. Um, so that kind of makes sense when you look at the match that they have eventually at a uh, survivor series, 
they're both brawling and beating each other's ass because they're both being healed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, I did not like the inception of DX. I hated Triple H at the time. It wasn't a fan of, of Shawn Michaels. Um, and I was like, what? The Heart Foundation. This is who you should be focusing on. This is the angle, you know? And as much as I didn't like Austin, I kind of liked the, that he was like the leader of the, the U.S. versus Canada stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it, it made, it made, it made me appreciate him as a, as a baby face, uh, badass baby face at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I wanted as a kid at that time? Cause the, the, the Sean Hunter, you know, pairing grew on me. It took a while, but it grew on me, but same. I wanted, I wanted Hunter to turn on Sean and because Hunter was the Greenwich blue blood. And at that time he did kind of, before he was paired with Sean, they kind of gave him that like French accent. Well, he still kind of talked that. like that too when they had yeah. DX. Yeah, a little bit. Just yeah. a little. He, he still he still had that a little bit. I was kind of hoping that Hunter was going to join the Hart Foundation and mm. that he was going to denounce America mm. and that they were going to turn on Sean and that would make Sean the babyface again. Okay. Because I was still not really on board with this Sean Hunter pairing. Okay, I can. I, I can it's stupid. I know. Yeah. In hindsight, I look back on it. and I'm like, wow, that's really fucking dumb. But that was me trying to rationalize in my my 14 year old brain what I wanted because my wrestling OCD wasn't wasn't firing on all cylinders. We talked about it in our September episode covering um, September 22nd, 1997 in wrestling history. The infamous backstage uh, discussion that was recorded uh, between Brett and Vince on the Wrestling with Shadows documentary. At Madison Square Garden, where Vince tells Brett that he can't honor the contract, uh, you can go in the archives and find that over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Fun Network. episode. Um, it, it was a fun episode. I actually talked with my brother about that on the Survivor Series episode, and and your theory behind it, Kobe, and he kind of agrees with you that that the reason why Vince didn't really push as hard to keep Brett was because Brett really stuck to his guns as the as the promoter's kid and you know, wanted his money and wanted Vince to honor the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, and with the, with the coupled with the, the fact that him and Sean had the personal issues behind the scenes, he was, he was really, you know, he, he stuck his feet in the mud and said, you know, I'm not going anywhere with this. Yeah. And Vince, and, and, and then, you know, it kind of forced Vince's hand in a way. So um, let's talk about the build towards survivor series. We're almost there. Um, it was kind of a short one if you if, if you go back and look at it. Sean won Hell in the Cell, beat Undertaker, to then set up the match with Brett at Survivor Series. Um, that was like a random number one contender stipulation. It was like kind of thrown out there at the last minute um, between Sean and Undertaker. That was a classic match, but uh, we'll talk about that another day. Um, two things I want to talk to you about. Number one, um, the the dynamic of like both guys being heels heading into Survivor Series and the involvement of the Nation of Domination because and I said this yeah uh, on on the Survivor Series watch along re- you know recording with my brother I feel like the involvement of the Nation of Domination was in part designed to turn the Hart Foundation into baby faces yeah. whether that was a, a whether that was full on heading into Survivor Series or something that was going to transpire following Survivor Series, this was the beginning of it. Yeah. With DX, 
with, with, with DX setting up the hearts and, and accusing them of being racists, trashing the nation's locker room. I watched a few episodes of Monday Night Raw um, heading into before I watched Survivor Series with, with my brother Justin on that recording. And they to- Peacock totally edits out the, the scene where you see the nation's locker room trashed with the KKK symbols and the Malcolm X and the the everything that just gets trashed in their locker room. Yeah, and they I've, totally I've, edit that out. I've been looking for that online because I, I told you, I, I remember seeing it as a kid and I, I've been trying to look for it to send it to you and I cannot find it either. Yeah, so. it's not it's not on Peacock, that's for sure. So, yeah, not on um, YouTube either. So give me your thoughts on the, the, the heel-heel dynamic going into Survivor Series at that time, what you thought about, you know, Brett and Sean, as well as the nation's involvement and that possibly leading to the heart foundation turning babyface. What are your thoughts on all that? I was pretty sure that that was the trajectory that they were going to go with um, nation versus heart foundation um, with the, with DX kind of uh, being in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. Stirring the pot, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And me as a kid, I was like, Oh, are they going to do, they're going to do a um, a Nation vs. Heart Foundation Survivor Series type thing on the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, the, the dynamic of Sean and Brett, like I said before, going into it, them both being heels, it, it you, you had to choose a side who you liked better. Um, and obviously yep. me, I was a Bret Hart fan. But the way, looking back at this now, the way that they work this match, both of them are working heels still. Um Brett only tries to work face towards the end, but we don't know what else the rest of the play out of the match would have been, uh, you know, mm-hmm. leading up to where the screw job happens in the match. I don't know how much further the match was going to go and what the finish was supposed to be was the DQ was, the, are we in agreement yep. that that's what they both thought? was going to be the DQ finish. Yeah, there was a lot of back and forth about that, but I think that was the final decision that was made the morning of. Um, I actually, uh, in the the Survivor Series recording, I go through a list, uh, a timeline, according to the Wrestling Observer, of the series of events that took place that transpired, uh, some of them backstage stuff that I didn't disclose uh, on this recording currently uh, regarding the finish and um, the the things that led up to the tension with Sean and, and Brett going into Survivor Series. Uh, you could check that out. Uh, we watch. We, I, I go over that timeline of events as we're watching the main event with Sean and Brett. Um, awesome. So you have to fast forward closer to the, to the end. But uh, that's all through the Observer. Uh, but continue. But yeah, I, I, that's pretty much it. I thought that the even with the screw job, I thought that maybe this was part of the storyline. So coming up out of this, DX was definitely going to be the heels, and Heart uh, Foundation was going to be turned face. Um, just. Mm-hmm. In, in in lieu of what was happening. Um, and I guess, yeah, you could have that pairing of the nation versus the Heart Foundation and have uh, Brett versus the Rock. Um, mm-hmm. I even wanted that at the time. Um, yes. But yeah, so what what were your thoughts? Uh, I was, I, well, in particular, there's that one episode of Raw where the nation finds out that their locker room had been trashed and Farouk, and the nation call out the Heart Foundation. And the Hearts music hits, and it gets a pretty significant pop. There's a there's a smattering of booze in there, but it gets a pretty significant pop. And you see each member of the Heart Foundation come out one by one, and it's almost like they're 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 
they're running to get to the top of the ramp like they're running late for work like what they're putting on their jackets and they're they're putting on the championship belts like they like they were running late you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't know if that was something that was it was designed to make it look like that or they there was something up with their cues and and they didn't get the information relayed that they were supposed to be out there and then brett comes out last and he gets the biggest pop uh, out of them all and there's still a smattering of booze, but that was the point where I was like, okay, it looks like they might go Heart Foundation, New Nation of Domination, following Survivor Series, and that now they're they're realizing that DX is probably the top heel act, and they're gonna and the Hearts are gonna be the baby faces. Yes. And if you if I if I recall, it had also appeared, at least from my perspective, uh, was that they were gonna kind of imply that DX and the nation had like a working agreement with each other because there's on that same episode of Raw, I believe, um, Shamrock and Ahmed Johnson wrestle in a tag match against the nation and DX is out at ringside uh, goofing around at the announcer's table and Rick Rude would end up handing the briefcase to Farouk when the referee got distracted. Farouk Farouk would nail Shamrock and cost them the match dx would help the nation win the match and so it had appeared that dx was kind of using the nation to do their dirty work and they had some kind of working relationship and it was aimed at taking out the hearts yeah because dx had at least it it wasn't it wasn't implied on television but dx had made it clear that the hearts were the ones that trashed the nation's locker room and the hearts were racist towards african-american wrestlers so that's the direction I felt like it was going in. And this is all before any of us, at least from at least over at the, the, the Rosenbluth compound, with, that we found out that Brett was leaving um, uh, to go to WCW. So that was where I stood with, and it, and, it, and it also brought back some clarity. It was like, okay, the hearts are going to be baby faces. DX are going to be the heels. DX is working with the nation. Now, how do you get out of all the hate that is that had been directed towards the Hart Foundation for the past six months. Does Brett come out and do they apologize to the American wrestling fans? Like, do they do some sort of sympathy promo where they want, you know, the the, the American wrestling fans behind them again, on their side? You also had, in my mind, you also had to weigh in the Steve Austin factor. Mm -hmm. Steve Austin had a heated rivalry with the Hart Foundation at that time, and he was still involved with Owen Hart, stemming from the the SummerSlam Tombstone Piledriver incident. So you kind of had to button that up. But Austin was also kind of interjecting himself in the nation's business. He cost Farouk the Intercontinental title at Bad Blood against Owen Hart because he wanted a piece of Owen and he wanted to beat Owen for the title. You get all these moving parts that were kind of intertwined with each other that made it exciting for me going into Survivor Series. And like I said, regardless of the outcome of Brett and Sean, I felt like the direction they were going was the hearts were going to be the baby faces again. And they were going to feud with the nation. And I also felt like we could have seen Steve Austin in a way kind of align with the hearts because of his common enemy, that being the nation of domination. Hmm. So hmm. that's where, like, there was a lot of different, like, interesting what ifs at that time when I was a kid looking back on it. And I, I was I was excited for the possibilities because there were so many different moving parts that they were all intertwined with each other. Austin, 
Nation, Heart Foundation, DX. You could even say Shamrock and the LOD because they had opposed the nation. They were facing the nation at um, Survivor Series in a, in a classic elimination match. She had all these moving parts going on. It was just very exciting. Um, yeah, that's where I stand when it comes to that. Now, let's get into the screw job itself. 1997 Survivor Series. It's been um, covered to death. I mean, also, you can yes. go back in the archive. Uh, Dave has covered that. I have covered that as well with Jimmy, the original episodes, Origin of Attitude, the road leading up to that moment. Um, and- I did a... I, 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 mean, I, just, I mean, I covered it, but I did a, a different spin where right. I... I I did a trading, find it in the archive, trading places. What if Vince screwed Sean? And what if Sean was the one that went to WCW instead? What if Sean was the guy that was the the straw that broke the camel's back in the Starcade finish with Hogan and, and, and Sting? What if Sean was the one that was the reason why the NWO split into two factions? So you can go find that in the archives. Check that out. That's just my, my fantasy booking cap. Uh, on my head a little too tight there, but I, <laughs> I I enjoyed that one. You can find that in the archives. But yeah, I want your thoughts then. What you thought twenty five years ago? How did you find out? Did you watch it live? Give me everything you got regarding uh, the screw job and uh, Brett and Sean from Survivor Series ninety seven. Wasn't able to watch it live, so I was like, I was dying to get the tape from my aunt and uncle because they would they would tape the pay per views for me. Because uh, they knew I was such a fan. Would they have the black box? Yeah. Um, okay. So I was like, oh, I need to get to come up there and get that tape. I need to get the tape because I, you know, the next night on Raw, you kind of unfold uh, where Sean saying he made Bret Hart quit, um, and I was like, but this doesn't sound like. And then they kind of alluded to something about it, and uh, I found out like the next week, um, and uh, yeah, and then reading reading the the paper and the internet stuff like like forums and uh finding out what actually happened i was like holy crap they screwed him like vince mcmahon is a piece of shit so is sean like i i knew like there was no way that sean didn't know um and i i still kind of feel that way too like they could have done business a different way but uh Mm -hmm. i i feel like uh, there was Sean and Brett were very uh, stubborn uh, at the time, and and Vince had to Vince had a business to run. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, it in the long run, it it has maybe been better for business, but uh, as far as like the backstage altercations, the news that's more of the hype for a wrestling fan now than the actual show. Um, and the content of what is going on in the ring. Everybody's worried about what's going on backstage more. Um, I, I, I'm more of the, uh, I'm, I'm more of the, the purist. I like the in-ring action. I focus on what's going on. I don't try to read the backstage news of who's fucking who, who has a problem with somebody. It just kind of takes me out of the, the, the enjoyment of wrestling uh, to some degree. Sometimes I'm like, oh, wow. The scrum, huh? Wow, that's that's pretty exciting there. But uh, I I I just I enjoyed I enjoy wrestling for watching wrestling. But uh, this this was uh, 
this was a mess at the time and now we we you know 25 years of uh of going over this subject is uh yeah it's it, it you can see how much of an impact it's had yeah um 25 years ago uh i did find it weird that brett was not on the go home edition of monday night raw heading into that pay-per-view i will say that i was like he's the champ he's gonna face sean and it it was just weird to me that sean was involved in a rivalry with shamrock heading into survivor series and i was just kind of like that's weird but didn't really think about anything of it didn't hear about brett possibly leaving to go to wcw till the night before huh. i had re- i had read online that he was negotiating um a deal to go to wcw I didn't hear about. I really didn't hear anything about Brett. I, they kept it pretty tight-lipped, at least to the best of my recollection, 25 years ago, uh, up until about that weekend, that Brett was on his way to WCW, and that was. I was kind of shocked by that, given the fact that Brett was such a huge focal point of their programming and how loyal he was. And despite the issues that he had with Shawn Michaels, that I felt like it was going to get, they were going to move past all that and Brett was going to be a big part of their programming moving forward, like he had been right. for the last year. So to, so I was trying to figure out at that time as a teenager, um, what was the reason behind him leaving? I didn't know that it was at that time, the night before Survivor Series, that Vince... That I didn't know at that time, as I was reading this article, that Vince had approached him two months prior and said, I can't honor your contract. I didn't know about any of that stuff till I watched the Wrestling with Shadows documentary a year later. Yes, um, that's what really I, gave I, me a lot of insight. I was too. just under the impression that Brett leaving was attributed to his issues with Sean. And that the company wasn't big enough for the both of them. That's the that's to the best of my recollection from what I read at that time. Yeah, it was it was almost um, like 1999 when everybody kind of got a, a, a peek behind the curtain with the wrestling with shadows and then the beyond the mat, um, yeah. being being promoted and premiering on TV as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think everybody got their eyes open to what was going on, and it was a big shock, you know, just in general, him putting the WCW at the end is like whoa, <laughs> holy shit. And I didn't see that live. I didn't watch it live. I sometimes if sometimes I'd get the pay per view. Sometimes I'd get a pay per view. Um, and if I didn't if I didn't get the pay per view, it was the squiggly lines. I was listening. It was it was radio WWF for me mm-hmm. all the way through the squiggly lines <laughs> on TV. So I didn't get the pay per view. Didn't know anybody that got the pay per view. But I brought this up in my recording yesterday, and I feel like it's important for me to to bring it up again. Um, I didn't realize the the aftermath and the magnitude of the screw job until the next day at the lunch table when it was me and a couple of friends who watch wrestling and they had heard about it and one of them was at that table that didn't watch wrestling and he said to me Dave he goes so I heard something about last night that Vince McMahon changed the script in the middle of the match as it was going on and it hit me right there at that moment where I was at the lunch table in high school where his name was Nelson, Nelson Mingo. 
I don't even know if he's alive today. But anyhow, um, Nelson says to me, Nelson said that to me, and it, that was where I realized, like, okay, this went past wrestling. Like, this is, this is like almost like mainstream news, mm-hmm. you know? And wrestling fans and wrestlers in general have a tendency to try to work everybody and everything. But that, at least back then, 25 years ago. But at that moment in time, that's when I realized, like, this went way beyond the wrestling circle. Yeah, These are, these are people that don't even watch wrestling that heard about this and were like, holy crap, this is a big deal. You know? Mm-hmm. And so... Just the way he had worded it and said it, that's where I was just kind of like, all right, like this is huge. This is this is this is like a a monumental shift in the landscape of wrestling moving forward. And I, I also said this in yesterday's recording, and I and I'd be an asshole if I didn't say it now. I feel like that, that moment, I wouldn't necessarily say legitimized or brought credibility to the dirt sheets, but it really, well, yeah, actually, I did say that yesterday in the recording. It, it, in some ways, brought some credibility to the dirt sheets because we had read stuff before, you know, and we had heard that this guy was coming back or this guy was leaving or this was going to be the finish of this match. But we never saw everything that we read backstage transpire right in front of our very eyes until that moment when Vince told the ring announcer to ring the bell and Sean beat Brett. Vince screwed Brett, whatever you want to refer to it as. That was like a lift. That was like the culmination of everything that we read in the dirt sheets regarding the Brett Sean issues unfolding right in front of our very eyes in Montreal. Oh yeah. And that to me was like that to me at that time legitimized and, and brought credibility to the dirt sheets because Everything you could say was true regarding the issues between the two of them and Vince's involvement. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it definitely brought more eyeballs to that community, that that realm of, of um, I, would, I don't want to call it reporting, but that realm of, of news information uh, when it came to the, when it came to pro wrestling. That being the the newsletters, the Observer, the Torch, all those all those guys that were around then and still are around now. So that was that was to me was just I was just blown away at like the the magnitude of it all. And twenty five. I mean, it's something that has been talked about since that horse has been beaten to death. We, we we you and I have covered it in respective podcasts. Everybody's done a podcast on it. I'm sure Sean and well, not Brett necessarily, but I'm sure Sean is sick and tired of talking about it. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Brett will probably Brett, Brett. That's one of that's one of the, the 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 main topics of usually all of Brett's interviews is the screw job, the screw job. Goldberg kicked me in the head, Hogan stealing the belt from me at WrestleMania nine, and me you know punching out Vince McMahon. Moments. Those are like moments, pal. The Rolodex in Brett's interviews. <laughs> Right there, his, his go-tos, yeah, if you will. And then Owen um, so, dying. Owen dying too. Yep, that's yeah. And you had to say it with the accent to Owen. Owen. You just had to, didn't you? Owen. Owen, Owen dying. Like you, you're, you're, you're fucking unreal. You know, Sorry. you really are. You're unreal. I already know this is going. We're not. I'm not letting it go. There. I'm not gonna hit a I'm joke not yet. It go there. I won't. Uh, yeah. But you'll know when it lands. Yeah. 
You're such a piece of shit. God, I swear to God. You are such a piece of shit. <laughs> You're a father. I know. You know that? You are a father to a, 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 a beautiful little girl, and you're going to conduct yourself this way on Sorry. a wrestling podcast? Sorry, folks. All right, Dave. Well, um, you ready to – are we almost there? We're there, right? We are there. Okay. Well, we've we've talked about it. We've talked about everything that's led up. We've got about an hour and eleven minutes in as to what we've talked about. Let's uh, um, regarding everything that happened in real time. So let's talk about what. Let's, let's, if. let's map this out. What if the screw job was a storyline? What if it was some big elaborate storyline that was put together by all the parties involved, not to work the not to work the audience, but just some elaborate story that where they have mixed wrestling with reality and what took place behind the scenes and all the players involved. So without further ado, Kobe, I would like for you to kick things off. I want to hear what you have to Absolutely. say. Absolutely. I want to see I want to see what your what what your 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 path towards, you know, what this screw job leads us to. So for sure. you go ahead first. So my scenario for this, I, I lead all the way up to WrestleMania fourteen. And I kind of give a little bit of a uh, like a little smoke trail at the end of uh WrestleMania 14 to to let you guys kind of decide where where it could go or what if possibilities after that. I ain't booking a whole fucking year for you guys. I'm not Tony Khan. I don't have that much Adderall or cocaine or coffee or whatever the fuck he's on doing 30 jobs a day. Anyhow, we start out with the Survivor Series. Um, goes down pretty much the way that we saw. Um... And, you know, the last bit images that you see are Brett um, spitting at, at Vince. Uh, he does not do the WCW. Uh, he is just completely pissed off. And uh, Shawn Michaels runs off with the title in DX in tow. And the next night on Raw, we get a um, a bit of smattering about the commentary saying, what a night it was. Shawn Michaels left the champion, but under some controversial circumstances. And tonight we will hear from Vince McMahon, who uh, has, uh, we rumor had, uh, had an altercation last night with one Bret Hart. Um, so later in the night, we have um, Shawn Michaels, you know, getting booed and, and with the ex there saying, you know, we, we had nothing to do with it. I, I just want to say, um, I, I did breathe. I did beat Brett, and I I was going to beat Brett anyhow, and uh, we uh, uh, my right hand of God, and he's holding up his left hand. Uh, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, and Vince is on camera later in the night, and he explains that Bret Hart wanted what was Brett best for Bret Hart. We wanted what is best for business. Bret Hart wanted to do. Everything for Bret Hart, not the WWF. And no one man is bigger than the WWF. So, Bret Hart, you are fired. And uh, Vince is solemnly kind of made a heel on uh, on camera where he has like a little shiner um, to where we see that maybe there was an altercation between him and Bret uh, backstage. And you're, you're, you're really interested in this. Uh, so, <clears throat> that is... That then we lead into the December pay per view of the Degeneration X, uh, the the feud between 
Shamrock and Michaels pretty much kind of goes the same, except Owen Hart, Bulldog, and Neidhart are pissed off. Uh, they know that, that, you know, that Sean and Hunter had uh, some type of, some type of uh, means in this controversy or some type of uh, hand in it, um, especially with Sean coming out the champion. So Triple H enlists the help of the Outlaws, newest members of the D-Generation X. Uh, they brawl backstage, and there's a match announced for the D-Generation X pay-per-view. Triple H and the Outlaws, D-Generation X, against the Hart Foundation, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, and Jim Neidhart in a street fight. Uh, they have that match, and the winners are Triple H and the Outlaws by uh, nefarious means. China gets involved, Rick Rude gets involved, um, uh, Halliburton, uh, possibly the Nation of Domination, um, some other members outside, you know, to convolute things, kind of tie in other people to the storyline. Everything else goes down the same at the Gen Degeneration X pay-per-view. Then we move on to the Royal Rumble. Earlier in the night at the Royal Rumble, we have a tag team match with Nightheart and Bulldog defeating the Outlaws via DQ for the tag team titles. So uh, it's just a disqualification. So we're still building there, but uh, these guys are, are, are still battling it out. Um, the final two in the Royal Rumble are Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. And it's The Rock and Austin kind of trading off blows here. And we see Vince McMahon coming down the aisle. Oh no, is he going to screw Steve out of this? Oh man. Out of nowhere, Bret Hart hops the railing, distracting The Rock, helping Stone Cold Steve Austin eliminate The Rock, and having Stone Cold Steve Austin win the Royal Rumble with Vince kind of uh, losing his mind and Bret giving the nod and running off through the audience, and uh, the fans are going crazy. Um, any thoughts there so far? I, I like the insertion of the outlaws into DX earlier. Um, I'll, uh, I mean, I, okay. I think it right. makes, well, no, 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 no. I, I think it makes sense given you're, you're, you're kind of going in the direction of where I was, where I'm going and I'll explain it in my scenario okay. as well. Um, you're kind of going along with. You're, you're taking some of your ideas and you're mixing it with what, what actually happened. How things had transpired back then in 97, which I kind of like. Right. So continue. So then we have the uh, synonymous <clears throat> moment with uh, Mike, Mike Tyson and Austin that kind of happens the same night that Austin has to face The Rock for the main event uh, champion spot. Um, but. The special so, referee. So there's a. So there's a. Hold on. So let me just. So, back so up Austin for a won. Austin won the Royal Rumble with the help of Bret Hart. Uh, Vince is pissed okay. about that, so he makes a match. The Austin versus The Rock, but the the referee is going to be re referee Earl Hebner, and Earl Hebner is going to do the right thing. And this is an episode of Monday Night Raw. But this. Um, but and this is for the opportunity to face the champ at WrestleMania based yes. on the, the the Rumble finish. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Uh. So that match goes down on raw and um you know as many times as austin 
tries to pin the rock he, he doesn't and uh, throughout throughout the match you, you get a you get kind of the sense of like the the stress that is put on Hebner. this is for his job but nonetheless he he gets knocked out another referee comes in uh, that referee gets knocked out Earl Hebner eventually does the right thing counts Austin the victor um, and to not not happy uh, Vince McMahon slaps Hebner next week on Raw and fires him the same night that Mike Tyson is uh, <clears throat> is supposed to be the special guest in the moment where Austin breaks everything up says he's going to WrestleMania yada yada so it's it kind of plays out the same way there okay uh, mm-hmm. Vince is still pissed about Bret Hart we get the go home for uh, No Way Out is a videotape sent from Brett to the WWF um, saying the reason why he helped Austin, you know, is because uh, Vince had screwed him. And even though him and Austin have bad blood and the same with his family, um, that he, he doesn't want to see that happened to somebody else in the WWF and the things that the Hart foundation had done in the past were out of resentment because of what Vince had put them through in this company and they want to make it right. So Vince replies, he says, okay, I've got something for you. How about at no way out? It is Degeneration X, Shawn Michaels, triple H and the outlaws against Stone Cold Steve Austin, Owen Hart, British Bulldog, and Jim the Anvil Nighthawk. The winning match will see the the those challengers get their opportunities at WrestleMania. If if you know if Austin and Owen and the Hart Foundation to win, they, they get their opportunities at the tag team title, the European Championship, and Austin gets that shot at Shawn Michaels. Shall they lose? They're all fired. Just like Bret Hart. Okay? Hmm. Okay. So, we... Bret's uh, fate is in all of their hands, and they all have something to lose as well. I like it. Yes, exactly. Um, And if they do win, and if they do win, Bret, you can come back. You can have your little contract, and you can have whatever match you want, because I know what match you want, Bret Hart. So, kind of throwing a wrench in between Austin and Sean is Brett getting an opportunity, possibly, after this in a contract fulfilled if Austin, Owen, and the Hart Foundation uh, can beat DX at No Way Out. No Way Out happens. It's a fucking barn burner of a match. Austin stuns Triple H and gets the victory there. Um, Owen Hart kind of helping Austin, you know, uh, the week that, you know, the promo that night, he's like, I don't like it one bit, but I'm out here to do the damn deed. Cause I'm out for myself. Don't trust anybody else, but I don't play, you know, he's, 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 he's out for himself. Essentially. It's all good. He's got his title shot on the line. Yeah. So I get it. Yes. So they, they win. So they, they get their opportunities leading up to, um, <clears throat> leading up to WrestleMania. Um, And we have, you know, the Royal Rumble 
saw Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, with the Undertaker, and then Kane had made his appearance, and that that match eventually happens with Kane and Undertaker. That all happens the same. Um, Bret Hart on the week leading up, you know, the weeks leading up to WrestleMania, he uh, he has not made an appearance yet. Um, he 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 does finally, and the the crowd is really hot for him, and he says, you know. I have history, and I have a match for WrestleMania, and I know who I want to fight, and I know what I want, and Vince McMahon, it's you. I want to wrestle you. So, wow, swerve. Vince is like, pal, (laughs) I'm I'm not a wrestler, but I will do it, and if you lose... You're fired, and you will never wrestle in the in the United States again or the WWF again. Ooh. Okay, wow. Uh, so we have our match card set for WrestleMania 14. It is the Hart Foundation versus the Legion of Doom versus the Outlaws versus Cactus and Chainsaw Charlie in a four-way dumpster match. Making it a little more interesting, shaking it up with those guys that had 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 a four-way dumpster match. So you got to put all the guys in the dumpster. Oh man, maybe that's not. How about a four-way elimination? That works. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, then Triple H and Owen for the European Championship. Uh, Austin versus Michaels for the WWF title with Special Enforcer Mike Tyson, and Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. Ooh. Hmm. Um, it goes down with the, uh, the Hart Foundation getting the titles, Owen getting the title there, you know, some babyface love, Austin getting the championship, and of course, Brett getting his retribution against Vince McMahon in an amazing match that, uh, Vince attacks Brett before he, Brett comes out and gets the pop, but Vince McMahon attacks, uh, before the match, and, uh, it's kind of like a brawl before uh, they even get into the ring, and Vince kind of takes off his clothes once they get into the ring, and the crowd is, like, impressed by his physique. He's like, wow, now I'm going to beat you up. Brett's, like, bladed, and he's, like, he's beaten up. Uh, out of nowhere, Earl Hebner comes to low-blow uh, low blow, low blow Vince and flick him off um, and uh, kind of helps Brett there, but uh, Brett applies the sharpshooter, and Vince McMahon says, taps, and uh, yeah. The main event is Austin and Michaels the way it goes down. Um, Austin holding the championship title, um, having that moment. Uh, Mike Tyson walking out. And uh, down the aisleway, we see Brett looking at Austin. I helped you, but we're not, you know, we're not done here. Um, and where could that go from there? We're going to see Brett hmm. and Austin possibly after they... <laughs> They, they, you know, essentially were enemies and had to help each other to get what they wanted. And where does where does this lead off with Shawn Michaels? I was thinking possibly he does just take his ball and go home after this for a little bit because uh, he was injured. But I could have played out the next night at, at Raw. He is laid out, even though he like he has a, a match potentially against Bret Hart or, or a confrontation with Bret Hart, and he is laid out before uh before that can happen in the parking lot and it's a more or less a who done it and it turns out to be X Pac 
with DX turning on uh, Shawn Michaels. Ooh, so, I like so that Triple H, twist. the Outlaw, and uh, the arrival of the NWO member. Uh, because like in that. in my in my scenario, I think Sting would have taken over uh, that 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 championship in December uh, from Hogan, and it, you know the NWO should have fizzled out on WCW TV and kind of reemerged in a way on uh, WWF through a proxy of One Two Three Kid X Pac. His arrival is like, oh, oh, they're doing the click sign now. Ooh, these guys are what are they over here? They're DX. Over here, though, you know, um, hmm. and then okay. we could have, we could eventually have the the essential, you know, match of uh, again Austin and Brett, or you know, Brett and Sean eventually once Sean comes back. Um, yeah, so that that's 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 my what if and how that would play out. Any thoughts? I'll I'll be honest with you. I I didn't have Earl Hebner involved in any of my scenarios uh so so that was a you know not because i i i planned it out that way i just didn't i didn't have him in the in the scenarios uh you know he's the referee that rang the bell and that was the end of it for me um the other thing too that um i didn't have was brett and vince in a singles match at wrestlemania which i think is a good idea i like that idea um, and I like maybe even revisiting Brett and Austin again following Austin's win. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I do like it. Uh, there's some things that I have that are similar to yours. Um, mine's a little bit more drawn out. So sit back, relax, pack a lunch because you're going to be in it for a little bit. Cool. Um, so are you ready? Yes, sir. Are all the listeners ready? Because this is I, I spent a few days on this. I really sat down, had some detail, um, brought some detail to it. And I thought, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to dive in, I'm going to really go balls deep, <laughs> so to speak. So, Hell uh, yeah. We get to Survivor Series 1997. And the opening match is the New Age Outlaws teaming with um, the Godwins to take on the Blackjacks and the Headbangers in the Survivor Series elimination match. The New Age Outlaws end up be, turning out to be the sole survivors of that match. And they're interviewed by Michael Cole post-match where we see DX walk by, Sean and Hunter. And along with China and Rick Rude, and they give them somewhat of a little bit of a golf clap, if you will. Um, and then Rick Rude says something that the microphone can't catch, and Road Dog says that they'll take into consideration. But when Michael Cole asked them to repeat what Rick Rude said, the Outlaws would walk off. Um, later in the evening, the British Bulldog and Jim the Anvil Nightheart would be the sole survivors in their match as they teamed with Furnace and LaFon to take on Vader, Mark Merrill, Steve Blackman, and Goldust. Bulldog and Anvil end up winning their Survivor Series tag match. When all of a sudden, the Nation of Domination make their way out to the ring for their tag, their Survivor Series elimination match. Words are exchanged by both sides as referees and officials try to break things up. Now, this confrontation stems from the Nation accusing the hearts of trashing their locker room and being racist towards them. So, I'm kind of taking a little bit of what took place Mm -hmm. and kind of intertwining it into this um, and adding to that scenario. Um, The Nation would end up... I'm sorry? I dig it. Okay. Um, The Nation would end up losing their Survivor Series match, as they did in 97, with Ken Shamrock as the sole survivor. Um, Also at Survivor Series, Stone Cold Steve Austin would defeat Owen Hart in the same fashion that he did. Uh, Austin then celebrates, but post-match, the Nation come out and attack Austin, stemming from when Austin cost Farouk the title at Bad Blood in the finals of the Intercontinental Tournament. 
The Hart Foundation are at ringside watching this on as Austin fights off the nation when all of a sudden they run down to help Austin fight them off and clear house. Crowd pops big as Austin and Owen would end up having a stare down. Austin flips off Owen and walks out with an Intercontinental title while the Hearts retreat as we cut to the backstage area where DX is watching this all unfold on the monitor. We get the main event. Brett and Sean, screw job. Goes down, goes down as it did in 1997. Now, which leads us to the following night on Raw when DX opens the show to discuss what went down at Survivor Series. They admit that although they are happy Brett got screwed by Vince, they had nothing to do with it. They then reveal that Bret Hart knocked out Vince McMahon in the locker room following Survivor Series. Following that, Shawn Michaels' microphone cuts out and WWF officials and referees come out to escort DX to the back as it appears they're trying to cover up the backstage incident. Jim Ross and the King reveal in commentary that an altercation went down, but they can't speak any further on it, according to the chairman of the World Wrestling Federation, Vince McMahon. JR announced that on tonight's main event is Shawn Michaels against Ken Shamrock per WWF officials. If Shamrock wins, he gets a title shot at the D-Generation X pay-per-view. Later in the evening, we see the New Age Outlaws have a match against the Blackjacks. Hunter and China are sitting on top of the ramp to watch on. Outlaws win with some underhanded tactics. Post-match, we'll see Hunter and China give them a nod of approval as both Outlaws look at each other, wondering what this all means. Stone Cold Steve Austin is out for a promo to discuss his win and post-match incident at Survivor Series. He says he doesn't need anyone's help and didn't want help from the hearts. Michael Cole then asks him what his thoughts were on the controversy surrounding the WWF title match. Austin says despite his issues with Bret Hart in the past, he was screwed last night out of the WWF title. And that if Vince is willing to screw Bret, he damn sure knows what Vince would have no problem doing the same to him, considering he dropped him on his head with a stunner at Madison Square Garden. Austin then directs his focus to the nation and calls them out because he knows they're already planning to jump him from behind. So he grabs a chair and calls them out, which leads to the nation appearing on stage, warning him of what's to come, and that the hearts are not here to save him from their ass whooping like they did last night. Austin makes the challenge to face the entire nation in a four-on-one handicap match anytime, anyplace, because he knows when you wrestle one of them, the rest are not far behind. The nation gladly accepts only if it's for Stone Cold Steve Austin's Intercontinental Championship, and the nation member that pins Austin will become the Intercontinental Champion. Austin agrees to that stipulation, and then Farouk orders D'Lo, Kama, and Rock to march down to the ring to show Austin what he's in store for at the pay-per-view. Austin swings the chair as all three try to enter when out of nowhere, Owen, Davey, and the Anvil in street clothes come in through the crowd to attack the nation. Vince with other officials and local police break it up and arrest the hearts as the nation retreats to the back. Vince is in the middle of the ring watching on as Austin stands behind him, appearing to gear up for a stunner. Vince then realizes Austin never left and turns around only to back up and fall on his ass. Austin then gets down on one knee and the camera pans in to hear Austin tell Vince, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I'll tell you this. If you ever screw me the way you did, Brett, you won't live to see another day, let alone run the, the World Wrestling Federation again. Austin would leave as Jim Ross brings us to commercial break. And back from the break, Vince is sitting in on commentary for the remainder of the evening and acting as if nothing had ever happened at Survivor Series last night. JR asks him multiple times to explain himself, and Vince declines due to the consult of legal counsel. But he did say that when the time is right, he will discuss everything that happened at Survivor Series. He did say that as of this moment, the entire Hart Foundation are suspended indefinitely. It's our main event. 
Vince would grab the mic before the main event announced that to ensure there is a winner in this match, DX is banned from ringside. Michaels would come out alone and Shamrock to follow. The finish comes when Shamrock blocks a super kick and applies the ankle lock. Michaels tries to counter it and uses his legs to push Shamrock into the referee, knocking him down. Shamrock still has the hold applied as Michaels is tapping out. Vince gets up out of his chair and tries to assist the referee back into the ring when all of a sudden the New Age Outlaws run in to attack Shamrock from behind. Vince noticed the run-in, but still tries to assist the referee without calling for the bell. Commissioner Slaughter arrives and calls for the bell and tells Howard Finkel that Shamrock is the winner by disqualification and will face Shawn Michaels at the next pay-per-view in your house, Degeneration X. Hunter, China, and Rude come out to argue with Slaughter. Vince looking dumbfounded as what, what just happened in front of him, and the outlaws are jumping on Shamrock. Michaels watches on in the corner with approval. The LOD run in to make the save as the heels powder out and the show goes off the air. So give me your thoughts early on on my scenario. Likes, dislikes? I like it. It's 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 a lot more detailed, um, but it makes sense. It, it makes you want to see what's going on. And we both kind of have the same thing where uh, the Heart Foundation and Austin are working together reluctantly. But for the, okay. you know. All right, good, good. I like it. I appreciate the feedback. Any negative feedback, too, I'm open for it. I'm not some crybaby millennial. I'll, uh, I'll be able to take it. Um, <laughs> following week on Raw, the show opens with JR and King at the desk. JR vows to get a word with Vince over the controversy surrounding Survivor Series. Also on this episode of Raw, Stone Cold Steve Austin returns to action tonight with an open contract. And then JR announces that per Commissioner Slaughter, in your house DX, Shawn Michaels will defend the WWF title against Ken Shamrock. He also announced due to their win as sole survivors at Survivor Series, the New Age Outlaws will challenge the Legion of Doom at In Your House DX for the WWF Tag Team Championship. DX music plays as Sean, Hunter, Rude, and China come down to call out Slaughter for interfering in their business last week. JR gets in the ring to help facilitate that and then asks DX, DX what's their relationship with Vince McMahon following Survivor Series and last week's Raw. Before they can answer, Shamrock and the LOD arrive to run them off. DX powders out and Slaughter meets them at the top of the ramp and books a tag match between D-Generation X and the Legion of Doom tonight. Slaughter then says Shamrock will be at ringside with the LOD to make sure Rude and China don't interfere. DX is obviously irate at this decision as they go to commercial break. Later in the evening, Jim Ross and the King are at the announce desk calling a random match when they are informed that they have Vince McMahon on the line. Vince informs JR that he was informed by the company's legal department that due to the pending investigation into the locker room incident involving himself and Bret Hart at Survivor Series, that he's been advised not to comment on it any further. However, because he's Vince McMahon, goddammit, and the owner of the World Wrestling Federation, he's decided that next week he's going to sit down with Jim Ross at WWF Studios to clear the air and discuss everything that went down involving Bret Hart and himself at Survivor Series and will also make a decision regarding his future with the company, meeting Bret the Hitman Hart. Later, okay, in the evening, like later in the evening, Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out dressed in his gear with the Intercontinental title and his open contract. He grabs a microphone and says he's got an open contract for tonight and he wants to prepare for his gauntlet match with the nation at In Your House DX. Out comes the Los Barricas, led by Savio Vega, who has a microphone in hand and reminds Stone Cold Steve Austin of their history in their past battles. Despite the Bariqua's hate for the nation, he says they will take great pleasure in being the ones to eliminate Stone God Steve Austin from the WWF for good. He's not going to make it to the pay-per-view, according to Savio. Bell rings, Jorge Estrada enters, eats a Stone Cold Stunner for the first fall. Savio sends in Miguel Perez, who gets the upper hand at first, but then 
Austin manages to eat a, give him a Stone Cold Stunner for the second fall. Jesus Castillo would run in and also eat a stunner for the third fall. Savio is last and he's hesitant to enter the ring, so he decides to walk back up the ramp when the nation's music hits. There at the top of the ramp as Savio decides to walk back down the ramp. Savio slowly enters the ring, but before he gets in, the remaining three Bariquas enter from behind and jump Austin. The bell rings, it's a disqualification. Savio then enters as the Bariquas beat on Austin for a little bit while the nation watches on. The remaining three Bariquas hold up Austin as Austin ends up grabbing a chair. As Savio, I should say, ends up grabbing a chair to nail Austin. When all of a sudden Austin low blows Savio. Savio drops the chair as the two Bariquas tend to him. Austin breaks free from, from both, grabs the chair and starts swinging, nailing a few of them as he stands tall and dodged another bullet while he stares back at the nation who's at the top of the ramp. Meanwhile, it's the main event. D-Generation X versus the Legion of Doom. DX with China out first. Then the Legion of Doom's music hits when all of a sudden we see the New Age Outlaws dressed in face paint and spiked shoulder pads. They get in the ring, they mock LOD, DX pretends to be scared. Both teams face off laughing at the mockery they've made of the LOD when we see on the Titantron a forklift blocking the locker room door where the Legion of Doom are trapped. Shamrock is seen trying to move the forklift but there's no key in it as he's trying to do what as and as he's trying to do that, we see Rick Rude nail Shamrock with the briefcase from behind. WWF officials, Slaughter, and the referees escort Rude away and tend to Shamrock while eventually find the key to the forklift. They remove the forklift from the door as the LOD would break free and we see them running towards the ring backstage. Music hits, they charge the ring, but they end up becoming victims of the numbers game and during a five-on-two beatdown. Outlaws, China, Sean, and Hunter. Sean and Hunter hand DX shirts to the Outlaws and officially anoint them as members of D-Generation X. Rude then makes his way back out to the ring with a pair of handcuffs as the beatdown continues. DX handcuffs Hawk around the ring post as they powerbomb Animal through the announce table, and the group celebrates as the show goes off the air. Thoughts? Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Okay. It's a very more, it's a very elaborate way to get them together. I mean, I I just kind of, you know, threw them together, but yeah, I I like it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. And the, um, the mocking the LOD, that, that's something that they actually would do. It's funny. Yeah, which it's funny enough, they actually did wear the spiked shoulder pads and dressed up with face paint uh, yeah. at Survivor Series. Yep. Costing Animal the, the pinfall in the Survivor Series elimination match. Yes, indeed. The following week, we get the Brett Screwed Brett sit-down interview with JR. Plays out pretty much the same day as it did in 1997, except just as Vince is about to announce his decision regarding Brett's future with the company, Vince is distracted by a noise off camera, a producer that is heard telling an unknown individual, you can't go in there. Then in camera view, we see a man in a suit hand Vince an envelope and tell him he's been served. Vince opens the envelope with a visibly angry look on his face and then tells JR the interview is over. Cut that camera! Cut that damn camera now! As the weeks go on, headed towards In Your House DX, Commissioner Slaughter targets Triple H for his role in all the events that have transpired in recent weeks. He puts Hunter in a no-disqualification match with Shamrock on one episode with DX banned from ringside. Shamrock would get the win as Slaughter is watching on the ramp. Hunter, upset over his treatment, would challenge Slaughter to a match at the pay-per-view. Slaughter would agree, but he chooses a stipulation, that being a boot camp match. In Your House DX, Triple H beats Slaughter in the boot camp match, same way in 97, pretty much in decisive fashion. The New Age Outlaws would defeat Hawk of the Legion of Doom, who fought alone due to Animal's injury from the attack a week, few weeks prior. 
Post-match of that tag match, we see the Bulldog and Anvil jump the guardrail and attack the Outlaws as officials and cops arrive to take Davey and the Anvil out in handcuffs. Austin would defeat the Nation in the gauntlet match as it's down to him and The Rock as the final two. Austin goes for a stunner. The Rock blocks it. Austin pushes Rock into the referee and knocks him down. The remaining members of the Nation return to ringside, but WWF officials and a referee stop them as The Rock goes to nail Austin with a chair when out of nowhere... Owen Hart shows up to grab the chair from The Rock. He turns around. Rock turns around to face Owen when Austin spins him around to deliver a stunner. Owen stares down Austin with the chair in hand. Austin is prepared to fight Owen when Owen drops the chair. He gets down on one knee, grabs the referee's prone arm, and motions for Austin to cover The Rock. Austin gets down for the cover, staring at Owen as he counts the referee's hand. One, two, three. Match over. Austin still leaves the Intercontinental Champion. Owen runs through the crowd as WWF officials and police officers chase after Owen Hart. And the main event of In Your House DX would see Shawn Michaels defeat Ken Shamrock to keep the WWF title with a little bit of help from Rick Rude. DX would celebrate as the pay-per-view goes off the air. The next night on Raw, Vince forced Austin to relinquish the Intercontinental title because of Owen's interference. Austin does so, then stuns The Rock, who just was appointed the Intercontinental Champion at the request of Vince. Very similar scenario took place in 97. Austin relinquished the IC title, handed it to Rock, stunned him, and said he had bigger fish to fry, and that was to become the WWF champion. And that was the first signs of the Austin-McMahon serious rivalry when Austin ran the ropes and Vince got knocked off, if you remember that. Yes, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was a nice way to tie that in. In the weeks following to the build-up to the Royal Rumble 1998, it, it, we pretty much get everything that went down in 98 involving all Austin's involvement in the Rumble. Targeting everybody, stunning guys, his quest to be the champion, etc., making himself a target um, uh, with the rest of the roster. Vince then would end up revealing over the course of that time that the document he was served with is a lawsuit from Bret Hart for a breach of contract. Vince says he's countersuing Bret for the same as well as for the assault backstage at Survivor Series. And because of the actions of the other Hart family members violating their suspensions by attacking WWF superstars, he has no choice but to terminate the contracts of Owen, Davey, and the Anvil effective immediately. He would then publicly declare that until legal proceedings concluded that Bret Hart is on an indefinite suspension with the World Wrestling Federation. Commissioner Slaughter would announce in the weeks to follow, Shawn Michaels would defend his WWF title against The Undertaker at the Royal Rumble in a casket match. Pretty much the same buildup for the Rumble match as it was in 98. DX would try to recruit Kane, but he briefly unites with Taker to throw off DX on the go-home edition of Raw. Excuse me. The Taker-Kane storyline pretty much plays out the same way it did when it started in 97 as it continued in 98, Taker refusing to fight his brother. In the weeks to follow, heading into the Royal Rumble, the Legion of Doom would return in a sit-down interview with Jim Ross discussing their recent setbacks with Animal's injury. The team discusses whether or not it's time for them to wind things down and go their separate ways or maybe even retire. But before that's even a real possibility, they want one last shot at the WWF Tag Team Championship against the New Age Outlaws at the Royal Rumble, which is booked. Royal Rumble 98 comes around and the show opens as we see a crowd shot. Before the match, camera cuts to a commotion in the crowd. Owen, Anvil, and Davey walk through the crowd. As WWF officials and security check to see what's going on, it's revealed that they have front row tickets to the event. Officials check the tickets, and it's legit. All three end up sitting front row. Throughout the most part, they don't bother anyone during the evening. The Outlaws come out for their match with the Legion of Doom and notice them at ringside. A little jawing back and forth, but nothing too crazy. 
Outlaws would defeat the Legion of Doom in that rematch at the Royal Rumble, which is pretty much the same outcome as it was in 1998. The Rock would end up defeating Ken Shamrock by cheating with the brass knuckles, same outcome in 98. Owen would get up out of his chair to confront the referee about the use of the brass knuckles by The Rock, but he's ignored. Rock would end up pie-facing him and a brawl would ensue. Nation would come down to the ring to assist in the brawl as WWE officials and police once again escort them out of the arena. Michael Cole interviews Vince backstage, who looks into the camera and yells at Brett for sending them to disrupt his show and vows to bankrupt the entire Hart family in court. Austin, he wins the Rumble same way he did in 98. The Mike Tyson WrestleMania 14 announcement comes same way it did in 98. And we get the casket match, main event of the Royal Rumble 98. Sean with DX, but WWF officials order the rest of the group to leave the ringside area. DX argues, but they head to the back. Michaels poses on all four corners when out of nowhere the casket opens and it's Bret Hart attacking Shawn Michaels. Ooh. Crowd erupts as Bret lays a beating on Michaels. Officials, referees, police, they intervene and pull Bret off of Shawn, escorting him out of the ringside area in handcuffs as Vince is seen yelling and berating Bret, vowing to end him in the court of law. Vince tries to talk to Michaels following that who wants no part of it and you hear Michaels say, this isn't what I agreed to. You need to get a handle on this. Which gets the announcers wondering what he meant by that. Does it have to do with Montreal? Who knows? DX is back out to argue with Vince some more when the gong hits and the Undertaker makes his way out. DX powders out and Vince is still in the middle of the ring. Taker stares him down as Vince slowly backs out of the ring. And the match and finish goes down as it did in 98. Kane appears to save Undertaker from the, the multiple man assault but turns on him instead, putting him in the casket. Sean wins. And then T- Kane lights the casket on fire. Okay. Okay. I, I like that. Got any, got any thoughts on that? Uh, the Heart Foundation are, are, are keep getting kicked out. Um, I, I kind of like that where Vince McMahon is going to make them bankrupt. And then the surprise return of Brett in the casket. That was That's a nice add there. Uh, continue. The next night on Raw, Austin and Tyson confrontation pretty much goes down as it is in 1998. The shoving match, Vince losing his mind. You ruined it, damn it! But earlier in the night, though, DX calls out the hearts, but their mics get cut out as officials and referees try to escort them to the back. Vince is seen backstage berating DX for mentioning them on TV in the middle of their lawsuit. He says he has a huge night with the Mike Tyson announcement for WrestleMania 14, and they better not ruin it. DX then demands revenge or they want Brett officially fired, but Vince says he's got it handled. The next week on Raw, Vince opens the show backstage to address all the chaos in the last week. DX barge in and demand repercussions from the constant attacks from the hearts. Vince then says their time will come in a court of law. Sean and DX then threaten to walk out and go to WCW wrestling. (laughs) And as they walk off, Vince storms off to chase them down. The main event is announced as DX versus Stone Cold Steve Austin and the Legion of Doom, if Vince can convince DX to stay. As we see later in the evening, a shot of DX leaving the building in their limousine with Vince and officials trying to convince them to stay. And then the main event rolls around and Austin comes out to confront Vince over the fact that Mike Tyson will be the guest enforcer in the main event of WrestleMania 14 for his WWF title shot. Vince comes out on the stage and tells Austin that you ruined that moment last week and he's not sure if he can control what Mike Tyson will do to you, but one thing he can control is tonight's main event. Since DX walked out, he's found replacements for tonight's main event, that being the Nation of Domination. Vince joins on commentary and says he has plans to address DX's walkout in the near future, but in the meantime, 
The Nation make their way out to the ring as it's Kama, D'Lo, and Mark Henry who joined the Nation a week before the Rumble in as he did in 1998. All three lay a beating on Austin till the LOD arrived to even things up. Farouk and The Rock are on the top of the ramp watching on, and the cameras catch Farouk and Rock disagreeing with Mark Henry's entry into the Nation, as we're now starting to see cracks within the Nation of Domination, similar to what we saw in 98. Finish, come when, finish comes when Austin stuns D'Lo for the win. We see DX arrive in the back, and they make their way out and help the nation jump the baby faces. Michaels grabs a mic and proposes an idea that will help Vince solve all of his problems. Michaels faces the hard camera and calls out the Hart Foundation to appear next week on Raw to sign a contract for a match at No Way Out against D-Generation X. If the Hearts win, they get their jobs back. If they lose, they're never heard from again, and Brett must drop the lawsuit. Vince says he's not so sure about all this. He needs to consult with his attorneys and walks back up the ramp. But Michael says it's either this or he takes the WWF championship to WCW. Vince turns around very pissed off and says, I'll draw up a damn contract for you at the pay-per-view. You've got your match. And we'll see you next week as Raw comes to a close. Thoughts? Okay. I like it. I like it continue it's brewing right it's brewing yeah. oh there's yeah. more following week steve austin is out for revenge but vince and officials stop him from running loose so he's escorted out of the building but not before he tells austin they he will meet an opponent of Shawn michaels choosing at no way out inside the confines of a 15 foot high steel cage dx and the hearts meet at the con i'm sorry said huh yeah DX and the Hearts meet at the contract signing. Vince makes a no-contact clause in their contract heading into the pay-per-view. And their eight-man tag team match will be a no-holds-barred match at No Way Out. Both teams sign the deal, but before Brett leaves, he reminds Vince about Montreal and how he got screwed. Says that he hopes Vince has all his ducks in a row because when they win at the pay-per-view, he's going to make his life a living hell and the WWF will never be the same again. Brett then tells Sean that once they get their jobs back, he didn't forget about him. He's got something special planned for him too. Vince, not too happy to hear this, then orders police to escort the Hearts out of the building, but not before he announces that next week on Raw, they will be allowed to compete in a 5-on-4 handicap tag team match against the Nation of Domination as a warm-up for their No Way Out tag match against DX in two weeks. Michaels later in the night is seen leaving the dressing room of the Nation. Cameras try to follow Michaels, but Rude shoves them back. Michaels ends up coming out for the main event on commentary and doesn't allude to what cameras caught backstage. Dodges the questions from JR and leaving the locker room of the nation. As the main event is Cactus Jack versus Chainsaw Charlie in a hardcore rules match. This is when the New Age Outlaws throw them off the stage inside the dumpster and Raw ends with these guys getting stretchered out as DX celebrates on top of the ramp. Following week... It's announced that Cactus and Chainsaw suffered numerous head and neck injuries and their return to action is unknown at this time. DX is fined an undisclosed amount of money for their actions in that incident, but DX doesn't seem to care. They were sending a message to the Hearts and anyone else in the WWF that wants to try them. Cactus and Chainsaw just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Michaels then announces that Stone Cold Steve Austin will meet both Farouk and The Rock inside of a steel cage at No Way Out. DX will be banned from ringside for tonight's main event with The Nation versus The Heart Foundation. The finish to that match comes when Austin runs in and nails the nation with a chair, causing a DQ and evens the odds. But DX shows up and then we get Shamrock and the LOD arrive. Huge brawl to end the go-home raw before No Way Out. All right, it's a Bruin. I like it. I like it. No Way Out. We see Ken Shamrock and the Legion of Doom against the nation. 
The Nation pick up the victory when there's a miscommunication between the LOD causing them to lose the match. First sign of issues between them as we see Shamrock trying to break up their argument post-match. Stone Cold Steve Austin would defeat The Rock and Farouk inside of a steel cage after Rock inadvertently nailed Farouk with a chair. Austin capitalized with a stunner to The Rock to pick up the victory. And we see more cracks within the nation. DX vs. The Heart Foundation. No holds barred. Eight-man tag team match. We get brawling all over. Weapons, plunder, etc. Finish comes when Michaels attempts to put Brett in the sharpshooter. Vince is on commentary, gets up and tries to call for the bell, but Austin comes through the crowd to stop Vince. He nails Vince with a right hand and knocks him down to the floor. Michael sees this and is distracted, and he starts jawing back and forth with Austin. Brett, from behind, ends up going for the schoolboy roll-up to get the victory. Your winners, the Hart Foundation. They are back in the WWF and have jobs in the World Wrestling Federation. The pay-per-view would close with the Hart celebrating in the ring as Austin is seen walking off to the backstage area. Okay. Following, night on, following night on Raw, the Legion of Doom lose another tag team match, this time to the New Midnight Express due to, once again, miscommunication. Both guys get into a shoving match. They start blaming each other, etc. More teases for their breakup. The Hart Foundation are in the ring, and Brett in particular wants to take a moment to apologize to the American wrestling fans for his conduct in the last year. Brett says his hatred for Shawn Michaels got the best of him, and he turned his back on the fans that helped make him a star. He promises to make it right with all the American wrestling fans starting tonight by calling out Vince McMahon. He wants an explanation for screwing him at Survivor Series. Vince would make his way down to the ring and tells Brett that this isn't over. There's still a legal battle in court, and you shouldn't even be in the WWF right now if it wasn't for Austin. Brett says that he wants to propose an idea that can end all of this for the both of them. Since he was screwed at Survivor Series of his WWF championship, he wants an opportunity to face Shawn Michaels for the WWF title at WrestleMania 14. Vince reminds Brett that Austin has the guaranteed title shot via the Royal Rumble win. Brett says he doesn't care. He'll face Austin later that night if he has to, but he wants what's rightfully his. Otherwise, the entire Hart Foundation will hold Raw's war hostage. Vince then asks Brett, what's in it for me? Brett says his family will drop the lawsuit for breach of contract if he gets his rightful opportunity for a title shot at WrestleMania 14. Vince then says, well, I got to think about that one. And Brett replies with, there's nothing to think about. Give me my rematch or I'll ruin your WrestleMania main event and pretty boy toy Shawn Michaels won't make it to WrestleMania as the champion. DX come out on top of the ramp and threaten to threaten Vince to walk out yet again if he allows Brett to take over the show and threaten Shawn Michaels. Vince, who's now stuck in the middle, is forced to come up with a solution. He says that next week on Raw, Brett will be able to choose one member of the Hart Foundation to represent him against a member of DX chosen by Shawn Michaels who will represent him. If Brett's pick wins that match, then Brett will get a title shot at WrestleMania 14. If Michaels' pick wins, Brett is no longer allowed to compete for the WWF title ever again as long as he's under contract with the World Wrestling Federation. Both parties agree. Later in the night, we see Shawn Mike, or Michael Cole excuse me, interview both factions where it's announced that DX has chosen Triple H and the Hearts have chosen Owen. But tonight's main event will see Stone Cold Steve Austin team up with Ken Shamrock to face The Rock and Farouk in a tag team match. The finish comes when Shamrock makes The Rock tap to the ankle lock for the win. Post-match sees the nation attempt to jump the baby faces, but Austin nails them with a chair. He then grabs the mic and calls out Vince McMahon and says that Vince is screwing with his title shot and that he's going to beat Vince's ass if he screws him out of the WWF title. 
Vince then offers to make Austin the special guest referee for next week's main event. He says that Austin could be the one to choose his own WrestleMania destiny as the guest referee. Austin agrees to the terms as he flips off Vince to close the show. Vince then also announces that Mike Tyson will be in attendance next week to discuss his role as the guest enforcer for the WrestleMania main event. Thoughts on all of that? It's good. Um, there's a lot of stipulations going. I, I like I like the, uh, again, you have a proxy. You have somebody wrestling against somebody else for another cause. Like it, you know, wrestling like that is fun. Uh, yeah. Continue. All right. Next week on Raw, the Legion of Doom have another tag team match, this time against the DOA, and that causes them to continue their losing streak and the issues with each other. Shamrock is then announced that he will face the Rock at WrestleMania 14 for the Intercontinental title shot. And on this episode of Raw, the New Age Outlaws meet the Bulldog and the Anvil in a non-title affair. Plus, Triple H and Owen with Austin as the guest referee, both DX and the Hearts are banned from ringside. Mike Tyson, his involvement? Well, he pretty much joins DX the same way he did in 98. So, Shawn Michaels rips off the shirt. He's revealed to be in DX. They, they, they crotch chop, you know, do the whole thing. Austin would come out to confront them at the top of the ramp, but Michaels super kicks him on the stage. Vincent officials and WWE officials are irate that Mike Tyson has joined DX. We also see the LOD lose another tag match to the Godwins, leading them to fighting each other in the ring. Referees and officials try to break it up, and the announcers speculate that this is indeed the end of the Legion of Doom. Later in the evening, we see both guys with their luggage leave the arena separately, virtually signaling the end of the team. Neither wants to comment, but during both instances, they receive a call on their cell phones from an unknown source. Both tell this individual that they don't think it's going to work out, but whomever is on the line isn't taking no for an answer, and both say that they will be there, whatever that means. Officials Hmm. in the back tend to Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's questionable for his role as guest referee in the main event for tonight's match. We also see on this same episode of Raw, The Undertaker returned to confront Kane and accept his WrestleMania challenge the same way as he did in 1998. The lightning bolt hits the casket. He pops up. The blue light's on. I'm going to face you, Kane. The whole deal that we saw in 98. Also on this episode of Raw, the New Age Outlaws sneaked out a victory over the Bulldog and Anvil with help from the nation. Post-match, see the Outlaws celebrating in the backstage area when out of nowhere... Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack appear from inside a dumpster and attack both men. It would be later revealed that they will meet the New Age Outlaws in a dumpster match at WrestleMania 14 for the WWF Tag Team titles. And it's now time for the main event. Vince McMahon comes out and announces that he will be the guest referee in tonight's main event since Austin is unable to perform his official referee duties. Finish comes when Owen goes, or I'm sorry, Hunter goes for the pedigree. Owen blocks it and back body drops Hunter into Vince. Owen has Hunter in the sharpshooter, but there's no ref to make the count. Glass breaks. It's Austin making his way down to the ring. He comes in and he nails Owen Hart with a chair. Then he delivers a stunner to Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Rolls Owen on top of Hunter and makes the count 1-2-3. And now Bret Hart will be included in the WWF title match at WrestleMania 14 with himself and Shawn Michaels. Austin... Now, Austin nailing Hunter stems from, or Austin nailing Owen with the chair stems from their issues from SummerSlam when Owen broke his neck and it was kind of one last little, like, fuck you, I'm going to get a peace of mind, but at the same time, I'm going to screw Vince and you're the lesser evil, so to speak. Um, 
So Austin grabs the mic at the end, tells Vince that he don't care how many guys are in the match. He knows he's behind all of this and he's going to whip everyone's ass that gets in his way to become the WWF champion as Raw comes to a close. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Um, it's almost, we, we kind of had some of the similar uh, things going, um, but you, you've, uh, to be honest, you've made it more elaborate. I like, I like that. And the triple threat could be cool. As the weeks get closer to WrestleMania, we see more dissension within the nation as the Rock and Fruk are odds over leadership, while at the same time, their working relationship with DX. Rock has second thoughts on it because it seems they're playing second fiddle to the group and doing their dirty work. Farouk doesn't care because he's the leader and he makes the decisions that are best for the nation. Triple H wants a rematch with Owen Hart because he felt Owen never really beat him, so he decides to put his European title on the line at WrestleMania 14. The mixed tag match between Mark Merrow and Sable against Goldust and Luna, same buildup as it was in 98, booked for WrestleMania, as does The Rock and Shamrock and Kane and Undertaker, although slightly different, the dumpster match between The Outlaws and Chainsaw. So pretty much, we're, we're, we're getting to WrestleMania 14 looks like this. The free-for-all is going to see the nation of um, uh, a combination of either comma, The nation of and- domination. <laughs> Jennifer Flowers, I was, <laughs> I like that. Um, a combination of either D'Lo, Kama, and Mark Henry taking on um, the Bulldog and Anvil. The Nation will pick up the victory. That match takes place on the free-for-all. Um, the Tag Team Battle Royal will see the Legion of Doom return, but this time with Paul Ellering as their manager and not Sonny. And they will pick up the victory to earn themselves a shot at the WWF Tag Team Championship Dig it. at a later date. Takamichinoku defeats Agula for the light heavyweight title, as it did in 1998. We also see um, Triple H defeating Owen Hart, um, as we saw in 1998, WrestleMania 14, for the European title. Slaughter handcuffed to China. Um, Now, I didn't really have like a a beginning and an end for Rick Rude. Rick Rude is still kind of in the picture, a, a part of DX, but I don't have him out of my stories, but he doesn't really play a factor. In, in moving forward in this, to, just to kind okay. of tie up some loose ends. Um, Mark Maron Sable will end up defeating Goldust and Luna, as we saw in 1998. Ken Shamrock will have defeated The Rock to become the Intercontinental Champion, only for the decision to be overturned because he wouldn't let go of the ankle lock. We see the finish where Farouk comes out and doesn't help The Rock and leaves him stranded for dead. More dissension within the nation. And... The New Age Outlaws would lose their tag team titles to Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie in the dumpster match, as well as Undertaker defeating Kane, which leads us to our WrestleMania 14 main event. Stone Cold Steve Austin and Bret Hart both challenging Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship in a triple threat match with Mike Tyson as the guest referee. Vince McMahon would be out for commentary on this match as we see Stone Cold Steve Austin defeat Shawn Michaels with a stunner after Mike Tyson makes the count. The finish comes and Austin is on the outside of the ringside area as Brett has Shawn Michaels in the sharpshooter. The referee asks Michaels if he gives up, but out of nowhere, Vince gets up from the announcer's desk and pulls the referee out. Tyson would then confront Vince, asking him what he's doing. It's his job as the guest enforcer. Brett lets go of the sharpshooter and runs to the outside, nailing Vince with the right hand and knocking him down. Brett's on the ground, pounding away at Vince as other referees and officials continue to pull Brett off of Vince. Michaels gets up to see what's going on and turns around and meets a Stone Cold Stunner from Steve Austin. Tyson enters the ring and makes the count. One, two, three. Your winner and new WWF champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
Tyson raises his hand. Michaels gets up, asks Tyson what he's doing. Tyson knocks him out with one punch, drapes the Austin 316 shirt over his shoulder as we see Brett walking off to the backstage area with WWF referees and officials escorting him. Vince is licking his wounds on the ground, upset not only what Brett did, but Tyson helping Austin win. Next night on Raw, we'll see Stone Cold Steve Austin stun Vince, as we saw in 1998, for trying to make him change and be the champion that Vince wants him to be. And then eventually he gets arrested later in the night at the request, or should I say demand, of Vince McMahon. Um, we get an in-ring segment regarding the future of DX, as Triple H would accuse Shawn Michaels of dropping the ball with Mike Tyson, plus the working relationship with the nation not panning out as they'd hope, doing all of Vince's dirty work because of his personal hatred for Brett. It's affected the group, dragged the rest of DX down in the process, etc. Michaels would then argue and says maybe it's time that he removes himself from the group for a little bit since he's become such a burden on them. The guy who helped resurrect their careers and give them a shot when Vincent and the company wouldn't. Maybe it's time he figure out what his priorities are with his life and his career in the WWF. Hunter says maybe that's a good idea and I'll take over DX from here on out till you figure things out because with your leadership, the group has been headed in the wrong direction for the last several months as Michaels walks off going into the commercial break. We get back from the break. We see Shawn Michaels in the back on the Titan Tron leaving when we see Bret Hart attack him from behind stating that he's not finished with him just yet. Referees and officials pull him off of Michaels. DX would then come to check on Shawn and Shawn's mad that nobody came to help him. Hunter says, this is what you wanted, and now you have to end this with Brett, but we won't be there to help. Um, the main event would see Triple H and DX welcome X-Pac to the group after helping the Outlaws retain their titles inside a steel cage against Cactus and Chainsaw. WWF management set up the rematch due to the wrong dumpster being used for the finish the night before, <laughs> which was the same reason in 1998. Michaels is at the top of the ramp, shown nursing his injuries from his attack earlier in the evening as the new DX celebrates inside the steel cage without him to close out the show. Um, also on this show, um, more tension would build on Raw the next night between Rock and Farouk where they would come to blows with the nation trying to break it up but unsuccessful. The nation would walk out on the both of them while the two are tearing each other apart. Michael Cole would catch up with D'Lo, and Henry where they suggested that that Rock and Farouk finally settle their differences in a match to determine the true leader of the nation, most likely at the Unforgiven pay-per-view, where we'll see Kama, D'Lo, and Henry help the Rock win to become the new leader of the nation. Rock would declare that it's a new nation, and they don't work for anybody anymore, including DX. And it would also be revealed over time that DX were the ones that set up the hearts with the nation, accusing them of being racist towards African Americans, which would then set up their rivalry with each other heading into the spring and the summer. But at Unforgiven, we'll see a three-team gauntlet match pitting DX, consisting of Triple H and the Outlaws, against the Hearts, Owen, Bulldog, and Anvil, against the Nation, D'Lo, Kama, and Henry. Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart would then sign a contract at Unforgiven for a match at a later date to blow off their rivalry. Austin would meet Dude Love in the same fashion at Unforgiven in 1998 as he did, Foley would feel like the fans turned on him during the beatdown the night after WrestleMania 14. He would then attack Terry Funk in the process, setting up heel dude love, as well as Kane and The Undertaker in an inferno match to set up Unforgiven as we head into the spring and summer of 1998. And there you have it. That is my rebooked scenario from the Montreal Screwjob all the way to WrestleMania 14. I really like that. That's, um, I mean, we both had some similarities, but, uh, we we had some some different things with the booking 
um, and we got to like a similar spot, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like it. That was that was cool. Really elaborate well, I, too. So I, I put I put Justin. Thank you very much. It took me a few days, you know, some some uh, some time away from the misses, but I sat down and really worked hard at it and tried to tie up some loose ends as to what we saw in 97 and 98, as well as coming up with my own creative scenarios to get us to where I felt could have been a very acceptable payoff for all parties involved. He's um, like, honey, what are, you, what are you doing? You're like, I'm doing the screw job. She's like, you're doing the what? Yeah. The screw. She's like, you're, you're supposed to be screwing me, goddammit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually talked with my brother, Justin, um, about this and uh, on the Survivor Series recording, and he had a, he had a similar... Um, payoff with Brett being involved in the the main event with Austin and um, Sean in a triple threat and then spawning off to Brett and Sean in a, a rivalry and then maybe even going as far as Brett turning back heel and ends up becoming the corporate champion that Vince wants and kind of using the kind of turning heel along the same lines of you know the the WWF producing the filth that is Stone Cold Steve Austin, but without going the Canada-America slant, he's kind of the the clean-cut corporate champion that Vince wants him to be um, while like opposing opposing Steve Austin. That was kind of the direction he was going in a little bit. He just kind of gave like a loose sort of um, direction. He even booked the Hearts and DX in a tag match at No Way Out so um, to kind of blow that off a little bit. So... Uh, yeah, but check that out in the archives, Survivor Series 97 Watch Along. We had a lot of fun talking Survivor Series, and uh, we did Mount Rushmore's of our favorite teams, our worst teams, um, Survivor Series matches, and talked all things Survivor Series as well as the screw job, um, you know, in 1997. Yeah, I, I actually have a, a little bit from Jimmy of what could happen if Brett had stuck around, too, if you want to Yeah, hear Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Let's, let, let, um, let's go with it. We would probably have like a Rock and uh, a Brett feud later down the line. You could have seen uh, Brett and Owen versus the Brothers of Destruction rehashing Austin um, and having like hit Brett and Kurt Angle put on some matches or possibly even team. Um, almost mm-hmm. like having a trilogy of matches and then team. But yeah, like essentially having a Brett cut a promo about his kids can't watch raw because of dude love and all the attitude era. So he becomes this, uh, this, this, uh, corporate straight edge guy, you know, um, Brett, Mm -hmm. Brett and Val Venus, Dan said, could you imagine that? (laughs) Um, hello ladies. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then having Brett be like back in stampede, we didn't have choppy choppy. Anybody's pee pee. <laughs> yeah. Um So I I and like I could definitely uh <laughs> I could definitely see Brett being that that guy like you, your brother said too that 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 corporate guy eventually siding with with the you know making a deal with the devil Vince uh, after they fought each other in my scenario, they could do that. In your scenario, they could very well, you know, eventually have that handshake moment, and you're like, "Oh, don't do it, Brett." No. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like, like I, I kind of, I mean, I didn't really go into depth, but now that I think about it, like, you know, Brett and Sean had that have that blow off rivalry, and let's just say, like, Sean's not hurt, so Sean kind of, you know, walks off into the sunset, and he's kind, he kind of takes a break a little bit because he'd been running hard. And because Brett had 
Um, Brett had vanquished Sean. Now Vince kind of tries to butter up Brett because of the issues that he has with Austin and Austin not being what he wants as a champion and kind of burying the hatchet, so to speak. Um, you know, which you can then eventually lead to, you know, Vince and Brett in a match uh, because Brett didn't get the championship for Vince and then, you know, Brett's an ally again. I mean, it would kind of be like a back and forth, you know, baby face to heel and heel the baby face, you know, almost very big show like when it comes to the turns. But I think in, the, in within the context of the story and the arc with Vince, I think it would make sense. Yeah. Or Vince or, or Brett's just the shades of gray type of character where, you know, in certain situations he gets booed, but in other situations he gets cheered, and that's just how you accept it. I mean, Brock Lesnar was like that for a little while. Yeah. You know, he Brock never changed. Brock was the same with him and Paul as a as a as a an item on TV, and it just depended on who he worked with. He was mostly heel, but every once in a while he'd work with a guy who was a heel, and he was just a de facto babyface, and and it, and nothing changed other than the crowd reactions. You know, mm-hmm. so. That could be something that, that that's an avenue that they could have gone down that they, they could have gone down with Brett over time. But I like I like Jimmy's uh, Jimmy's uh, you know trajectories with different you know rivalries. Brett and Owen against the Brothers of Destruction have been pretty cool. Brett and Rocky, maybe even Rocky and Sean. Um, so yeah, I think all all scenarios I think were were, were fun and entertaining and um, definitely uh, reasonable. Um, had the circumstances been different with the Montreal Screwjob. Absolutely. I love this what-if scenario. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, as always, you can find us on any pla- podcasting platform by searching Retromania with the W. Maybe you guys can give us some thoughts or share what you uh, what you think. You can write to us at retromaniapodcast at gmail.com or slide into the DMs on Facebook. Uh, Dave, where can everybody find you? If you guys do want to give us uh, a little bit of rundown or scenario, we'll we'll rehash it on the next um, on the next marking out the days. Uh, this has been the the, the rebrand season, so we'll, we'll do whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're, Dave? We're, 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 we don't have anything figured out for December yet, uh, but we will. And when we do, we if if you guys uh, are willing to share your feedback on the November episode as well as maybe some of your fantasy booking scenarios we'd be glad to read them on the air so um, uh, looking forward to that Uh, looking forward to everybody uh, hitting the like button on Facebook for Kicking Out of 2 as well as our Twitter handle give us a follow over there uh, at Kicking Out 2 as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network where you can find all these great shows Uh, Cool Truth of AC has been kicking ass and tearing it up with with their their state of wrestling talk where they've been talking about a lot of different things Um, not just AEW centric uh, they've even delved into the WWE territory. Um, so it, they've been some fun listens re- recently. Uh, I'm still doing the nostalgia. I'm still on the nostalgic train. Like I said, Survivor Series 97 just recorded that. That's in the streams. You can find that there. It's a watch along. It's almost three hours. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we give you guys a little bit of a break. Um, and we talk all things Survivor Series as well as the screw job. So be on the lookout for that um, as well as other great other great content that the network has to offer like this show marking out the days the rebrand season for the month of november yeah thanks guys 